The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. No or now? <laughs> now. <laughs> you said no, and I'm like, I... what? <laughs> All right, starting in three, two, one. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> I am your host, Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBC. <laughs> almost had it. CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And that sound effect you heard come from another other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Nice. I actually had another one. I was, it was uh, I went down a, a hip hop hole this weekend uh, or, or this week. And I thought about another one for you. I had to remember where that was. Anywho, okay. this is the Comic Book Chronicles. Again, you can find us at uh, the Coles of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coles of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and to leave us all the good five-star reviews. Yeah. Um, you can also find us recording every normally every Thursday night. Uh, we are coming to you on a Saturday night uh, 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 for technical, well, for reasons. Uh, we won't, for life. Life yeah. happens, folks. Yeah, pretty much things happened. Um and if I, you hear me coughing throughout the thing, my apologies. I'll try to keep that down a little bit. But, you know, uh, but yeah, normally Thursdays nights, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, the YouTube channel of the the Click Nation. Uh, that's youtube.com slash the Click Nation. And twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. All right, folks, we're going to get into uh, the recap of uh, She-Hulk, Episode 2. And since we are uh, recording on a Saturday, we're going to get spoilery. Right. Still going to ring the spoiler bell if you have not yet watched She-Hulk, Episode 2. What's the title of this episode? Uh, Superhuman Law. Superhuman Law. Be warned, spoilers are definitely incoming, and we're coming in hot in 3, 2, 1. Yeah. So, uh, given the uh, events of at the end of last episode where um, She-Hulk was revealed to, to the world. I was about to say, it's the big premiere reveal of the character, the hero, and 
the secret identity is no longer an, an issue. Right. Which, this is one of those few, few cases in the MCU where it's like, you know what, we're fine with this because we knew she was already a public, uh, I, I, she was a public identity anyway. As well, opposed, relatively so, yeah, exactly. But right. now much more in the spotlight. Right, but what I'm saying is like, you know how P. Barker keeps a secret identity in the comics, but in the MCU and pretty much everybody in the MCU doesn't have a secret identity because like a gang of people knows it. Right. Yeah, I'm saying that for other people, not just not for just for you, but um, but Jeff Walters already She-Hulk persona in the comics is already a, a public uh, persona, and this is her coming out in the MCU. So this, like I said, this is one of those situations where it doesn't matter that much because of it. So unfortunately, she, it does matter. And she couldn't practice law under the name of She-Hulk anyway. That's the kicker. I mean, that's my point of view. No, you're right. You're right. And actually, we're going to get into it because it, it kind of leans into something um, that's slightly reversed from the comics in that, um, well, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, so it comes out, it comes to find out that, um, and I guess I'm going to uh, cut ahead just a bit, uh, but um, uh, public thing comes out, you, you you get this news thing to where this dude's, uh, you know, the, the the eyewitness on the street gets, uh, gets talked to by right. the news person, and this is where she gets named by two dudes. <laughs> You know, you mean Chick Hulk? No, you mean She Hulk? Exactly. I was like, that was so that was so silly, but it was, I was like, all right, I see what you did there. That was that was pretty good. But also, the irony is is not lost because, like I said, she's being named by some dudes. Um, so she uh, ends up uh, with her best friend at um, what is this called? The Legalese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I, I guess, hey, if that's a it's good... a big pun, folks. Yes, yes, it is. It's the legal ease bar, E A S E. Indeed, you know. Um, which uh, I'll ask you about something else later about the stuff like that. But um, so yeah, and they're talking, and people are outside ch- chanting "She Hulk," and and Jen's like, "I don't want all this publicity." You know, I'm just good at law, and you know, you've seen the trailers where she's talking about the, the Avengers as uh, for for adult uh, orphans and narcissists and all that kind of visit. That part kind of comes into play here because uh, her friend asks if she's going to be an Avenger, and that kind of comes up. Um, but, um, I guess long story short, she gets fired from her old job because her old boss comes in and talks to her. Um, she gets fired from her old job because of the fact that, uh, G L, uh, H and G L K and H, um, had the case turned to the mistrial because of the fact that she saved the people during the trial, uh, which, you know, kind of went against her, the case. So, she's uh, out of a job, but, you know, no, it's not but she's out of a job, and then we see uh, her going to a montage of her trying to find um, other law, um, other jobs, but of course that's not happening because she's, her being a, per, per, a public persona, you know. Not no, not for, being public, her being, an, being well, a Hulk, well, and that really was, yes. you know, playing against her in this case until it stops playing against her. Right, so... But yes, that being which was basically what I was trying to say. Um, right. uh, yeah, so what didn't happen until it did happen when the person that pretty much got her first hired and fired in the first place comes to offer her a job, and that would be one um, 
uh, Holloway, I can't remember his first name, um, uh, Holden Holloway, excuse me, that's his name, Holden Holloway, who's one of the partners from GL, uh, H&K, uh, GLK and H, excuse me, um, who comes and offered a job. He was the one who was uh, on the other side of her case. So, um, so Jennifer's like, wait, you're the one who got me fired, now you want to hire me? And of course he does, because he's starting up a superhero law practice, uh, law, law division, um, uh, and she wants her there as the She-Hulk. Now, this is different from the comic, because... While this uh, similar scene played out, even with the drunkenness uh, of, of this, because um, they were in a bar, um, happened, he wanted Jen Walters, not She-Hulk, in the comics. So that's mm. that's the different uh, the the difference in this. Um, obviously, see Adap- so what? Yeah. It's that's the difference in the adaptation, right? So. And I guess I get it because it's like, okay, so this is going to be how Jen is going to become quite comfortable in her uh, she her persona, as opposed to in the comics where she already was at the time the, the you know the, 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 a similar thing happened. So, nevertheless, uh, she thought about it for a second. Actually, she she didn't think about it for a second. She just took the joint. Um, but this was before she found out that. Uh, um, Holloway wanted She-Hulk and not Jen Walters, which she found out, I believe, what, the next day um, when she went into work. Uh, and she, but she also uh, got her... She, Jen's also a good friend because she got her friend, uh, her, her, her best friend, the, the paralegal to job there. You don't, you don't find too many friends like that. Like She was, she, nope. she, she was like instantly like, like, no, I get to hire my own paralegal. Like, boom, bringing my friend along. There you go. So anyway, she gets into work the next day. We see uh, the plays... We didn't see any in the, in the, in the comics. Normally, we would have seen a lot of uh, superheroes or some or somebody <clears throat> uh, rolling around, but we didn't. Obviously, this is MCU, so it's not going to happen just like that. Um, we're probably going to get start getting into that the next episode. But he was showing her around, and she was breaking the fourth wall. And we saw the room with the comics in it, which is straight from the comic books. And then she got caught out there with a question because she was pretty much monologuing. <laughs> how it's unfair that you know she got the job because of She-Hulk and, and not because of Jen Walters you know and then she ends up uh, asking the question she gets introduced to her um, office and then um, which is a nice office <laughs> nice corner office looked like anyway um, and then the other dude who is another fixture of the same comic run that this is being adapted from Pug comes in with a basket um, and says hello and um, and then I think yes, she. This is when uh, right after that she gets to um, get her first assignment, and that assignment is she has to defend Emil Blonsky, aka the the Abomination. Right, he's applying for parole. Yep, and that is the case that she has been specifically retained, like asked for. Like, this firm has been retained by Emil Blonsky specifically because Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. the She-Hulk, is employed there. And they asked, and he asked specifically for her because he has, of course, uh, close ties yes. of a sort with her and her cousin. Right. 
through her cousin. So well, yeah. So we'll get to that uh, right now because so she's against taking it, and and uh, Holden Holloway is like, you don't take this case, you don't have a job. So she and he gave her a day to think about it. To which, you know, one she she goes to talk to Bruce, and he was, and that's just when we find out that oh yeah yeah you know I already talked to him, and you know he he tried to make he make nice nice high haiku and all. Actually, wait, she went to. Did she go talk to Bruce first before? Oh wait, I totally forgot. Um, hold on a second. I don't know if it's because I think she 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 went to see him first. No, they were on the phone. No, I meant uh, um, Blonsky, but no, you wrote him a letter. Right? Yeah. No. 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 I know that part. Um. Oh. Okay. Yes. Right. So yeah. So that that came up first. Where she talked to Bruce and Bruce was like, "Yeah, she, you already wrote me a letter, this and that and the other." But anyway, she was going to take the job anyway. <laughs> she was so and they talked that out. Then we find out Bruce is out in space because he uh, took that ship that uh, that ran into the the um, the uh, the last episode. So I'm we're assuming he's going back to Scar. Yeah, and I think it's pretty safe to assume that this may very well lead down, maybe the edge of the road down to maybe not World War Hulk, but definitely some aspects of the World War Hulk slash Planet Hulk story, which may include Kyera, the old strong, Scar, son of Hulk, Mm -hmm. and other aspects of that story. If you need more information on that, we, I highly, Roddy Cat has not read this, but I highly highly recommend the Greg Pak and Carlo Pagulayan run on Planet Hulk, and I don't recall, I think there are a number of different artists on the World of War Hulk stuff that followed, but it's all written by Greg Pak. Yeah, see, I, I think I glanced some of the World War Hulk stuff because it was, at the time, the couple of things I was reading, it was uh, mingling into. Right. And I believe that was a um, Heroes for Hire with, with uh, the Daughters of the Dragon that I think I was reading at that time. But nevertheless... Um, so yeah, that was the thing, and yeah, whenever we're gonna get that, we don't know when and or if that's going to happen. But the seeds are already there, folks. Um, also, there was a really pretty nice joke where they um, that that kind of stood there within that scene because uh, as Bruce was talking about, it's like yeah, that fight was a whole uh, whole you know I was a whole different person when that fight happened. Which, of course, that was... Yes, double entendre, folks. Yes. Double entendre. Yes, which, of course... Even triple entendre, if you really think about it. Exactly, which was the Ed Norton uh, uh, Hulk movie. So, that was... That was out there. Um, But then the line got cut off because he went into hyperspace and that was that. So, this is when uh, Jen ended up going to see Blonsky, I believe... Um, oh no, she went. She went home. No, no, no. So, so here's the thing. So, uh, there's a couple things that uh, are a little bit out of sequence here. Yo. Earlier, and I was going to make this. Uh, I was going to add this part. So she goes home before meeting Blonsky. Okay. Right. This is before she gets offered the job. And we you know just just skip that. We'll come. We'll circle back to that. But at the end of the day, she goes to meet Blonsky. And they have a pretty interesting first potential client and potential <laughs> uh, representation, uh, potential attorney meeting. Mm-hmm. And 
Emil Blonsky has some very interesting tidbits that drop that are Easter eggs for the the viewers, namely that he has been in pen pal contact, pen pal contact with seven other interested people. Now that is a hint for what Blonsky's future involvement in the MCU may involve, you know, may be. Yes. So uh, he also tries to establish what his possible reasons for being granted parole might be. So these prove to be relatively persuasive. Yes. To the to to She Hulk, and ultimately, um, at this point, uh, this is when she talks to Bruce. And that's when he goes off into space, right? Hmm. And now we have Jen Walters calling Holloway, and he she accepts the offer to take okay. on Emil Blonsky's case. And, of course, what happens? But on the TV, there is a story about how Emil Blonsky escaped somehow to fight Wong in Sha Ling's Fight Club as seen in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And, of course, Jen is not too happy about this. And that is where this episode ends. Right. It is a very brisk 30-minute long episode. It's very it's packed with a lot of information. One of the things that Roddy Cat skipped, and I wanted to touch on this, is that we got to see... I, I, I'm pretty sure he's a working actor. But we got to see the return of cousin Larry Appleton. No, I was going to talk about it. Trust me, trust me. I, I was not <laughs> otherwise going to let that known go. <laughs> in real life as actor Mark Lynn Baker. When I saw him, I was like, "Cousin Larry, cousin it's, Larry." <laughs> so you know, it took me a second. I was like, "Wait, why does?" Because I was like, "Wait, why does he look so?" F- <gasps> oh snap! Is cousin Larry? <laughs> I was so happy I did the dance of joy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my I goodness! Was, and his mom, because because the first because uh, they showed his mom first, her mom first, and I was like, wait, she looks for me, and I know I've seen her somewhere, but I couldn't place her. But it was when he showed when he showed up, it was like, wait, click, click, boom, oh snap, cousin Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy to see him because I know he, I think he had. Well, it's been a while since I know I've seen him, and I, I wouldn't, you know, as far as, like you said, I think he has been still working here and there uh, on things, but I haven't seen. Right, not all that things. visible. That's right. really what it what it comes down to, right? So, ultimately, it was nice to see Cousin Larry come back, and there is a stinger at the end of this episode also. I wonder if there's going to be a stinger at the end of every episode now. Yeah. We're two for two. I know, yeah, because this is weird, because, like, this is the first one, this is the first show uh, that has been like that, where there's been multiple sequels from the jump, right you now. So that is a good question, and I guess given the nature, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Um, you know. Yep. yep, yep. I was about so to, com- was about to compare oh, to Peacemaker, but Peacemaker is DC because you know they've done the same thing. But this is the, we're talking. This is the first time in Marvel for sure. So right, right. Well, I mean, Marvel had done a good job of keeping everyone guessing and also uh, building up that suspense and that anticipation for a stinger, whether or not it would be in the penultimate or the ultimate episode. So it's interesting that this show, because of its 
breaking the fourth wall nature that they're choosing to put in stingers in every episode so far at least so far right, right. at least so far so yeah um but yeah it was it was good to see cousin larry again the um the the whole um whole different person bit that was pretty funny they did the bit where uh uh Jin turns from She-Hulk to um to from She-Hulk to back to Jin and she just plops out because she was drunk. You know, right. which again, straight out of the comic books. So that was pretty good. I didn't know that. Is that in the slot run? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Nice. Like I said, that whole thing with uh Holloway and uh asking her for the job because it's like different premise, uh but yeah, that whole thing um pretty much came out of that, that run. Nice. So I was like, all right, this was cool to see. And like I said, they, they, uh, I assume, I thought we were going to get like a little bit more of a, um, a tour. I was kind of hoping to see a certain Android, but I don't, I, I, I shouldn't expect that to be the case in the MCU, uh, that, at the law firm. Matter of fact, there's probably a couple of things I was expecting to see from that law firm, uh, that, that, uh, probably isn't going to show up, but still. Give it time. Uh, yeah. But one of them would have shown no, itself we don't by know now. Yet. Yeah, I mean, one of them would have would have showed themselves by this time, is what I'm saying. Um, mm. But nevertheless, well, that like that's part of the adaptation. You know, they right. just they'll just switch the timing around. So right. I and would then, just advise and counsel patients on that one. Well, and I'm also saying that I don't think at least neither one of them would be necessary for the story, but would be fun to see. That's all I'm saying. So if they don't show up, I wouldn't. Be, I won't be surprised about that because, like, they weren't. Um, because I get to get us a couple of wackier bits of uh, slots run, let's just say. But nevertheless, I enjoyed this episode of uh, She-Hulk, um, as I did the first one. That um, that, that Supermax prison uh, shows up again, like I said. And as we said in Miss Marvel, yeah, uh, that place was easy to break out of, so wasn't pursued. it wasn't a surprise. Um... Which we already knew, you know. Right, but, you know, in this case, Blonsky's escaping because of Wong. That you know, he's true. literally using magic. So right. that's not the same as the, uh, the the djinn getting away. You know, uh, obviously the Abomination has Hulk-level strength, so they've got him under much tighter security. Right. And it takes someone performing uh, just short of Sorcerer Supreme-level magic to get to him. So... Right. Let's you know. Let, let's let's uh, be respectful of Wong's power level. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying that's not the case. But I'm still. Let's face it. With or without that, I'm pretty sure it, it wouldn't have taken that much to get out of there. It is the Marvel universe, one, one way or the other. Because let's face it, people even in the comics, people break out fairly easily. But <clears throat> you bring up something that I wanted to, to circle back around to, um, because one, we know this is uh, set during the events of uh, somewhere in the middle of uh, Shang-Chi because of the fact that, you know, um, uh, we see the uh, Abomination Wong fight. But we also find no, I was say not necessarily, but well, probably you, close to that because, you know, yeah. that could just be a recording of it. But then, but it was still, but it's... I feel right. like you it could say, say, that, say that, that it was, was still after the fact and it was like, you know... Right, right. My point being that, you know, it's it's approximately close in time with that because i think what 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 we're what we're seeing is you know wong just like in shang chi reaching out to people and we may very well see that in this uh series right 
Um, still yet, I'm going to say, and also, yep. um, that it is set, which this should be like a dub, but it's also set after the events of Eternals because um, we get a newspaper. Uh, Jen's looking at the newspaper. Actually, there's a couple of things that newspaper shows up, shows, uh, but um, we get the one instance of some somebody actually mentioning the fact that there's a huge celestial sticking out of the earth. Yeah. Because I didn't even notice that. When was that? It was in the newspaper. When Jen, when Jen and um, her friend were um, uh, reading the newspaper, it showed the the, the headlines of. Um, oh, I got to look at that again. Okay, yeah, matter cool. of fact, one of them may have to do with a, a, a certain um, clawed mutant, also. Oh wow! Um, by the way, and there was a couple of other little, you know, uh, there was a couple of little lines in there that was of note, but those were the two that stuck out. That's uh, cool. Yeah, unless you want some Iron Man threes, you know they they had a they had an advertisement of, of of those, you know, for you sneakerheads out there. But um, but yeah, you go back and check check a look at that. Um, so I think that's that's about it though. Like I said, we we as we found out uh, found out before going into this episode, we were going to find out where this definitely takes place in the MCU. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead. And hit this news article real quick because it's pretty much probably going to say the same thing. Um, in that Disney Plus pinpoints uh, She Hulk's um, She Hulk in the the MCU timeline, which is also kind of weird because I went to uh, Disney Plus and looked this up. Um, let me see. Let me. And it's weird because they basically have her, they have She-Hulk before um, Miss Marvel and after Moon Knight. So, so, um, let's see. I didn't mean to do that. While I'm looking this up, um, move on over there. There we go. This. Don't judge me. I'm not sure what Roddy Cat's doing. I'm not looking at the sheet. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the audience who's over, who's ever uh-huh. watching this uh, in the video version. Gotcha. Uh, which why are you not working for me right now? This is okay. Here we go. Oh weird. So yeah. So the the. They reordered the uh, MCU timeline order on Disney Plus, and I'm scrolling through it right now. So as you can see, uh, if you're watching the video version, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, then Miss Marvel is ah interesting is the order. And of course, before um, the Doctor Strange, you got Shang Chi, and then Eternals. Gotcha. So. Which, again, like I said, it seems kind of weird because it's like, well, obviously, Ms. Marvel came before She-Hulk, but I guess in the the chronology, it, it comes, she comes after. So I thought that was uh, interesting. And there's an article, like I said, it's in the show notes if you want to read it for yourself um, that um, talk about that as well. All right. So, uh, unless you got something else to talk about with uh, She-Hulk. Nope, nope, nope. We can move on. What's next? 
Alright, so we're going to start... Um, I was about, about to say, I'll play a transition if you want. Yeah. I think I just screwed something up, but that's fine. It'll be alright. Um, we're going to get into books with... Uh, Fantastic Four, number 46. Alrighty, this is the final issue written... The final Fantastic Four issue written in this 46-issue run by Dan Slott. Art on this issue is done by Cafu. Colors are by Jesus Abertov. And letters by our favorite, absolute favorite, lettering Paisan. VCs Joe Caramagna. So, just to set the stage, because it is Slott's last issue on this book... There are a few things you have to expect from a writer when they are finishing up this long a run. A few of these things do happen. One is that things essentially get put in that, you know, uh, characters are essentially put back into the toy box roughly as the writer initially found them. Second, if there are any, if there are any dangling plot lines that, only the writer would be intimately familiar with those plot lines would normally be dealt with before the next writer takes over. I would also like to add before you go any further, any characters that the art that the um, writer might have wanted to use that he didn't get in <laughs> could also right. go into that to that category. Right. And any changes to some of these characters much like putting them back into the toy box the way they found them any changes to the character that may have seemed drastic would likely be reversed by the time this writer leaves this run leaves their run and to a to varying degrees all of these happen in this issue and i'll let roddy cat expand on that go ahead so yes um the main things that were dangling uh, during slot run is one meeting uh, Reed Richards' half sister. We do that here, um, as uh, Agent Seventy kind of pointed out before the show. Kind of rushed, but nevertheless, it was it was um, it was uh, still good. Two taking care of what happened to Johnny Storm when his uh, powers got um, over over uh, boosted. Um, right. which, he was basically overclocked. Basically, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as I'm not a gamer, but ro- any gamers out there and Roddy Cat will understand that point yes. or that terminology. Yes, 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 yes. Um, if you build PCs, you definitely know that that, that uh, terminology. So yes, so uh, Johnny's got Johnny's back down to his bar, to a power level, and by proxy, Sky, who was. Johnny's soulmate from Spire um, got inadvertently overclocked uh, herself or mutated, I guess would probably be a better word, uh, because of what happened to Johnny. And they were linked at the time. So that's been taken care of. And apparently anybody on Spire who wants to uh, revert back to whatever their normal, uh, um, normal state was, which, granted, when we met them, they were already basically like, uh, you know, mutants and pretty people. So, <laughs> so it was the the more the more mutated folks uh, that could uh, change. 
back. It's almost like a, a an Eternals Deviant situation, which I guess we will talk about that in a little bit also. Um, so that being the case, um, I think that's the majority of that with the exception of, like I said, um, Reed Richards basically trying to reconcile with the family that he knew he had, but never really dealt with too much let's just say outside of his fa- outside of his dad who is Nathaniel Richards who is Kang the Conqueror um and that will come up that is coming up prominently because I call this the MCU vocation of that fact because of the fact that uh he meets his um his uh half sister who is black who um who was also a scientist by the way who knew already that Reed was her uh, half brother, um, but as she said, it was like, Yo, so y'all took all this time to 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 to, to come and find me, huh? So, but well, she fairness, had the advantage of coming second or coming next in line, <clears throat> right? Well, and, 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 and in fairness, as as Sue said, it was like you know, it was, it was just going from one crisis to another, you know. So there was there were things going on. Right. But ultimately, my point still stands right. in that because she comes after Reed has long gained prominence, uh, uh, in, you know, like in, in, in fame as, you know, one of the smartest people in the world. So it's interesting that, you know, the MCUification is kind it's, it's kind of a combination of that uh, uh, the Michael B. Jordaning of things. Sure. Okay. Like a little bit, and I'm wondering if you know. I'm wondering what the the MCU version will be, and I'm wondering if you have a story on Matt Matt Shackman possibly taking on. Yes, uh, I do. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we'll get to that. Right. Okay. Um. But yeah, uh, like I said, like I said, uh, Joanna Jeffers is her name. That's uh, Reed's half half sister with uh you know with the other folks with a couple of the folks that we see in this issue one of which has well supposedly both of them have shown up in this either this book and or a, and or a book in the past and as agent 70 has said dan slots liked to uh mine marvel history um to which he did one of these we knew about this other one we definitely did not because it was like I don't remember ever seeing it, and I was thinking maybe it was somebody from this run that we uh, that we that kind of came across this in during this run, but I don't remember at all. But then again, this has been a fairly lengthy run, all all being told, forty six issues, and we have a lot. Of, we've read a lot, so who's to say when this other character came in uh, or not? What is going on with all these tabs? Anywho, um, but we go into this this meeting with her, and you know she she meets pretty much everybody in the family, uh, including uh, uh, Ben and Alicia's kids, and, and that's when we end up going to Spire because we find out that hey, they found a cure for for Johnny and everybody else thanks to the of all things the cosmic control rod and a whole bunch of research to where that whole thing gets straightened out. But they also end up getting, I guess, what we're just going to go ahead and call a bonding session with uh joanna uh and reed thanks to the psycho man whom i don't think we've seen i don't think psycho man has shown up in the marvel universe in probably decades 
I could no, be wrong. I could be wrong. Not but. that long, but yeah, I, I understand. It's been a while. Yeah, I don't I, think it's been that long. I think I've seen him in various Fantastic Four runs because he is, you know, more associated with them. Right. But he's been around. Not not regularly. I mean, he he has had a Marvel legend in the last two years. Yeah, that doesn't really mean anything, though. <laughs> oh, but No, but it does in that uh, the character is recognizable enough that someone might actually buy the action figure. To someone of a certain vintage, yes, that is true. Yes. Yes, that's obviously, you know, an, an appeal to someone of a certain vintage. But, uh, so that being said, you know, so we get mm. in with the... But there is a deeper cut in this issue I'm that you will touch that. upon. Yep. Uh, we also get the re-emergence of one Owen Reese, the Molecule Man, in a in a way. Who yes, I mean, wasn't he in the Fantastic Force book or the no the no, the Future Foundation book? He did show up there. Yes, that I that's remember. where we last saw him. That's right. where uh, Slot basically decided to bring him back from, mm-hmm. like being you know being left out there in the middle of the universe. Right, because something that happened to him, we thought that was the, that was the end of him, and even then we hadn't hadn't seen the character in a while, which is which is also kind of funny given another book that I read this this week that also mentions him. But we'll get to that. I get to that later on. Um, so yeah, we 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 find out that Owen Reese is uh, alive and kicking and uh, of sorts. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, are if they're going to use Quantum Mania? I, I mean, this is probably a stretch, but I'm kind of wondering if they're going to use Quantum Mania as a way to uh, introduce the Molecule Man. I doubt it, but. The possibility remains. Exactly. I think that is. I think that is a possibility. It's less likely, I think, than yeah. other things being introduced, like possibly hinting at someone from beyond to set up future secret warsy stuff. Which again, so that's. But that's my no. Right. But that's my suspicion is that mm-hmm. they'll use that to kind of set that up, but. Uh, you know the possibility remains. I don't. I would not take that off the table. Right. Because I feel like because I'm not gonna say they go in hand to hand because they don't. You can do one without the other. But as again, this book that I will talk about later on um, reminds folks they 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 have had a they have a history. <laughs> right. Right. So. If you are not of a certain vintage, that will remind you. Right. So that okay. was a very interesting thing. And um but all that that goes to pretty much leave us at the end of the book where uh we see after <coughs> some considerable um journeying and and whatnot, we see Reed and Joanna get to a place and the book and the the volume end on a pretty nice note, I thought. Like, like right. uh, we'll see. Said, right. Go ahead. Finish. No, I was gonna say. Like I said, uh, the, the 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 everything's back in the the box, as uh, Agent Seventy said earlier, and we see seem to see everybody, um, the whole family of in the FF, in, in a pretty good place at the end of this. But we what we still don't know, however, and this is my last thought, if because somebody brought this up on somebody asked slot this on Twitter, did Franklin t- turn himself back into a mutant? Somebody asked him that. It was like, all right, your, your run's over. Is Franklin a mutant again? Did make himself a mutant again or what? And I don't think he ever answered. Good for him. <laughs> Good for Slot. <laughs> or Good if he, for Slot. Right. Or if he did, I didn't quiet. see the answer. But, yeah. Right. Good for him if, in fact, he stayed quiet. Because, <laughs> you know what? 
in the era of you know, back in the era of not having direct communications with the creators via social media, right. you just had to wait and see. Right. Why on earth would Dan Slott mention it, anything about this as he's coming off the book and not give Ryan North and company some time to address this in their upcoming run? Presumably so, they do. Right. So, you know, and, 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 and what I was going to end my thoughts on this book with is that I wonder what they're going to do with uh, this latest member of Reed's extended family. So I'm wondering what Ryan Northwood will, you know, will end up doing. I'm glad Slot didn't leave this dangling. Right. You know, I'm glad he did not. So ultimately, you know, we'll see where this character goes. It was, as I said earlier, much of what we expected, but I thought it was executed pretty well. Mm. Yeah, I can agree uh, with that. I, 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 I agree with that. All right. So, President Bartlett. What's next? Um, AXE, Judgment Day, as I walk through the Valley of Death. Uh, number three. Right, so uh, <laughs> it's AXE, Judgment Day, number three. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Valerio Skeedy. Uh, Ronnie Cat has a typo in here. It's not Skeeto, but Skeedy. I copied his typo. That's my fault. Oh, wait, did I? Uh, I was probably tired. That's all right, exactly. Colors by Marte Gracia and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So we have uh, just learned in Judgment Day number two that the resurrected or partially, well, mostly resurrected Celestial that used to be Avengers Mountain, but is now essentially of new, different Celestial, has decided to pass judgment on the people of Earth. And there are some very interesting judgments that are placed in here. Some of them are very, uh, let's say, in tune with current events. I did not appreciate how Cap, <laughs> how Captain America was judged. I'm like, seriously? You're going to judge Captain America... On the actions of all the other moron Americans, not Captain America himself. <laughs> Seriously, can we get Matt Murdock and Jen Walters on this case? Uh, I'm I, like, I, seriously, and I, I found myself agreeing with Stark. Stark is like, he judged Cap like that. We are all dead. Right. I said the same thing, <clears throat> but at the same time, I see why. I, I I'm. Two, of two minds with it, but also I see why he did it that way. I'm like, okay, if if Cap gets judged like that, people are gonna have to do some real hard thinking about their <laughs> life if Cap's getting get the thumbs down. I'm like, he's Captain America, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I laughed at that. Um, but shout out to Cap though because he pr apparently has a belief in people that I, I can't say in the real world would be un would, would be founded, right? Because he still, as I call it, the spirit bomb play, and and Agent Seventy now knows what that means, <laughs> right? Right, 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 right. Because basically, um, it all boils down to the fact that well, everybody's going to get judged, so we kind of have to have get everybody on the same page, and in that. They're basically, as I said in my notes, going to use a cheat code. And that cheat code is another MCU vacation of sorts. But also yeah. a throwback. Um, 
which I also thought he was dead, by the way. Um, I had lost track of the character, to be honest. Right. Because I remember, because when, like, right around Silver Surfer Black and the whole thing with the Guardians of the Galaxy thing happened where everybody got swallowed up into the, the black hole, I thought he was one of them. And it, Well, I, I guess that doesn't necessarily mean he died, but I thought right. he got swallowed up in that whole thing. Oh, no, actually, I take it back. Because I thought during that whole thing, I think he was the one that was still around, but got killed by Thanos, or got killed uh, because they thought, that's what it was. Uh, Gamora and somebody else or something like that was like, they were going to kill him because they thought Thanos was taking him over, was going to take him over, or something like that. It was something along those lines. Regardless, it doesn't matter because that was like probably a year or two ago, and then we read a lot of things. Regardless, I thought he was no longer around, but apparently, hey, guess what, folks? Um, There's a former Avenger who may or may not have powers that would make him, some would call him a, um, uh, an offender, let's say, if if you were to use those powers. In fact, that came up in a run of She-Hulk also. As a matter of fact, that might have come up in Slot's run. Um, Right, I think it did. I think it did. You know, and from what I remember, having never read it, I think that I remember reading references to it. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so I just wanted to, so, so you know, we've gotten to the end of the book, mm-hmm. right? I wanted to touch on a few of the judgments that had that were passed amongst characters that are more well known to us, not these human characters that Gillen is placing as, uh, you know, entry points of view for us, right? And you know, a kind of like person on the street type of uh, points of view for the story. I really did appreciate that both Mystique and Destiny got thumbs down together. Uh, yeah, like, yeah together. I'm just like, you know what? I've hated, I've always, I've, I've, I've always hated Destiny as a character. Yeah. Her precog stuff is so annoying. She was obviously more annoying when she was an old lady. Now she's a, you know, a hot, uh, a, a hot, you know, uh, she's living a hot young lesbian life with Mystique. I get it. That's fine. But I've never liked her as that precog character, so I was very happy to see that she got the thumbs down. She's she. They have definitely changed her character because she's way catty now, especially the way they have her talking. In, she's in young. Way. That's yeah. the point. Like she's you know like we never knew her as like a young person. Right. So now she's like adapting to the times. <laughs> Whereas you know when we saw her in the eighties, she was already mad old. Right, because she's just going at people in the, in the pages of this. I'm like, dang. And I think from what I've seen online, a couple other places might have. A couple other Xboxes. She's just kind of going at people. I'm like, dang, yeah. uh, Destiny, chill. <laughs> get off people's, people's necks, man. <laughs> seriously, man. Seriously. All right. So yeah. So this was a fun issue. This is actually mm. a potential click of the week for me because I really like the fact that all of this mostly was happening in people's heads, and I kind of <clears throat> kind of chuckled at the fact that the Celestials like, well, some die of heart attacks, but it's only a smattering, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, that's all right. And I love how Druid, who's supposed to be like, oh, I was like, ah, oh, this big bad. I'm a leader of men, and this. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I gotta go. I gotta go seek some advice from this, <laughs> from this other two because I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I don't know what to do. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So yeah. So that's pretty much the the the, the crux of eggs. There, there was a couple of the other things that happened. There was some, some barrels and stuff. But like I, said, I got a feeling some of that stuff is going to get uh, revisited at some point. So we don't need necessarily go over that now um that being the case um you got another book you wanna um 
how about we do amazing and then we'll go rapid fire yeah. because we have almost every book in common so as i go through the books in rapid fire obviously you'll chime in and the only you know I, and i have one book on my list that you did not read so i will continue with amazing spider-man number eight so this issue is written by zeb wells with pencils by john romita jr inks by scott Hanna, colors by marcio Meniz, and letters by again our favorite lettering python VCs Joe Caramagna. So we pick up right where we left off in the last issue. It's literally a direct continuation of the story from issue number seven with Peter plummeting to his death, plummeting to his death after being basically taken to school by one Adrian Toomes, the vulture. Spidey figures out a way to stop his fall. It's not the best way it's not the most graceful way but he does stop but adrian tombs continues to press his advantage because spidey has lost the ability to shoot his webs because adrian tombs destroyed his web shooters somehow though despite the fact that he has been shoved back first into a brick laden chimney his cell phone is still intact in where, you know, and he because he places it in his version of a utility belt, right? So I'm assuming there is some reinforcement there that provides his cell phone some protection. That is the um, no prize that I have just earned. I like how that's what you fell on. That's that's pretty good. I, I wasn't even thinking well, about that. I part. mean, I, it jumped out at me when you look at the panel. I mean, you're right, I'm, but. <laughs> but that was like but that, but that was like that was the one of the last things like okay so he just kind of like he said ouch and he like he slammed pretty fast hard hard and fast into that wall i was like that was the last thing i was thinking about his cell phone <laughs> because he pulls it out right right he pulls it out to use it which is wild to me yeah. but in any event the person he calls using the cell phone is none other than um, uh, the white man with cornrows, uh, yeah. Norman Osborn. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. <laughs> um, so, 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 good old Normie, Norman, <clears throat> Norman. That's a City Slickers reference, folks. Norman, good old Norman, proves to be unhelpful, mm. right? Peter is asking for Norman's help. Norman proves to be unhelpful, which makes Peter have to take things into his own hands. And the reason why Peter's calling Norman is because he needs something that Norman has developed for him. And at this point, I'll hand it off to Roddy to take it at least most of the rest of the way. And obviously, let me know if you're having some issues, you know, with with coughing or whatever. So let me know. Yeah, we're good. Um, So, yes. Peter calls Norman because one, he's about to die, like like um, like a dude from New Jack City. Um, uh, uh. Uh, that's a reference for folks, and he needs. I uh, thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna use Jar Jar. We's about oh to God. die. No, no, please no. <laughs> Scotty, help me! I'm about to die. As much as I hate <laughs> to invoke that that fool, but anyway. Um, but yeah, so so Peter calls Norman so because Norman and Peter apparently had developed a new Spider-Man suit, uh, which if you're watching the video version, you're seeing uh, seeing 
the uh, the form of uh, which uh, melds, let's say, some Spider-Man stuff with some Goblin tech. And it is, I'm going to sit here and say that it was jarring to see it in action because I'm like, you'd never thought you would see Spider-Man on a, well, actually it's kind of cool, but it's also still kind of weird because it's like, so it's a spider, a spider glider, I guess. I don't think it's been officially named. And he's also got like spider bombs, like uh, pumpkin bombs, but they have little spiders in them. So... Yeah, he's basically incorporated some goblin tech uh, into his periphery now. Um, to which he uses against the vulture and makes the, the vulture think long hard about uh, what he was doing, even though I don't think this is probably going to be the last we see of uh, Adrian Toon for a minute. And uh, uh, Adrian Toon's with the language at some point because he was like, at one point, he was like, Are you steering me? He was like, Mother, are you steering me? Like, dang, yeah. Adrian, what's <laughs> chill? But, um, uh, but like I said, we get the, the first use of this new uh suit, and we also get the ex- explanation as to why supposedly Norman didn't help uh Peter out. It sounded plausible, I don't believe it, but it was neither did I. But it's all in service of uh, getting the story going to where we uh, where we next uh, are, are going to take it. In that, um, Peter is going to work for Norman Osborn at Oscorp, which we right. found out is going uh, at the end of this uh, issue. So I'm sitting here like, hmm, I want to believe it. I don't believe it. Like especially when he when he crushed that fo- when he crushed the phone. I was like, yeah, okay. So your reasoning for it was 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 that right? Okay, sure. Right. So we'll see what uh, what what where this is going to lead uh, in the next episode. We still don't have anything on Mary Jane and that kid because right. none of that came and, up and, in this. Or what happened six months ago? Exactly. Or what happened six months ago? Which you know. At some point, we will get, so we just got to hold our horses. But the one thing I just want to know is where the hell that kid came from. That's all I want to know right now. Everything else you can play the long con on, fine. I just, just, I need to know what happened there. Because the, right. the math don't math on that situation. Yep, 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 yep. I agree, I agree. All right, so I think that wraps up our discussion on Amazing Spider-Man number eight. And we will go into rapid fire to cover the rest of the books this week. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I ain't got time to bleed. All right. First up is Avengers Forever number eight. This is the one book that I do not have in common with Roddy Cat. It's written by Jason Aaron with pencils by Aaron Cooter, inks by Cam Smith, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. So as I've mentioned over the past several weeks... Any of these Avengers Forever issues are basically introductions to alternate versions of the Avengers, wherein they have, you know, in, in from different uh, parts of the multiverse, wherein there is a twist on the character's origin. In this case, it is the unworthy Thor continuing to remain unworthy of Mjolnir, but instead of uh, you know, but instead of um, finding a way to fight as the unworthy Thor, this version of Thor discovers a different identity 
And hint, hint, he makes his way to Kunlun to do it. Interestingly. Interesting. Right. Interestingly, the multiverse, uh, the uh, the masters of evil, the, the multiverse masters of evil, that is, have laid waste to this earth and found their way to Kunlun to also lay waste to it. But one person remains, and it is that person that helps Thor find a different way to use his gifts. And that is the crux of Avengers Forever number eight. Uh, Of course, there are characters, one of them from from this realities or from the main realities uh, Avengers that is teaming up with some other multiversal Avengers to gather the troops, you know, to bring a team together. And that is where this story ends. Next up is Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number four. It's written by Tochi Onyebuchi, with art by R.B. Silva and Zay Carlos, and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan, V.C.'s Joe Caramagna. So this issue also picks up right where we left off in issue number three. There are parallel stories being told here. One, one for the new Falcon, and one for uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America. So the new Falcon is imprisoned by uh, by you know by some nefarious ne'er do wells who are in the midst of smuggling, uh, vi- well, essentially smuggling vibranium and probably other things using illegal immigrants that are coming across the southern United States border. Meanwhile, Sam Wilson's Captain America is supposedly, how can he be undercover in Wakanda? He thinks he's undercover in Wakanda, but that's just not the case. Surprisingly, though, he's not intercepted by Wakandan security, but by a classic Captain America villain, because one of the villains revealed in this series so far is, in fact, a classic Wakandan character who tends to, you know, live in the gray area and, you know, I guess in this series is veering towards the villains, the villainous side. Ultimately, the issue, you know, uh, the story of Joaquin, the, 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 the new Falcon, resolves itself to a certain extent and Sam Wilson finds himself uh, battling for his life against this classic Captain America villain, Sam still has Falcon-esque powers, and he uses that to gain the advantage. So we end this issue with the appearance of, let's say it's not a surprise, and I'll leave it at that. Right. Given where they are, definitely not a surprise. And uh, as Agent 70 said, what is um, what is being used in the plot? Uh, right. Uh, then, yeah, I will say that real quick. Sam actually held himself pretty good without his suit. <laughs> but then again, of course, you, you know, you can write, you know, you can write the, a battle the way you want it to go. You know, so there is that. Um but we also find we seem to be finding ourselves with both of those plots um seemingly separate plots coming together because of what was um what was brought up here so there's let's just say the the peanut butter 
uh, the peanut butter is meeting the chocolate uh, at some point soon. Or the jelly, depending or the je- on your I, I almost said jelly, but hey, nevertheless, you know, hey, who doesn't like uh, Reese's Pieces, Reese's Cups? Depending on your taste. I get it. I get it. All right. Next up is Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 41. It's written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Christopher Allen, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is, I believe, I cannot say for certain. This is, I believe, the finale of this multiverse-spanning adventure that Miles and Shift have been on. And they have taken on Salim and the forces of evil that have walled off Brooklyn from the rest of the world and the rest of New York City. And this is the final battle. Someone has to pay the ultimate price. Why, oh why? Why, oh why? (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's the opposite of let's say it's the opposite of the horror movie trope, right? And given my ethnic background, why oh why does it have to be that character? But I understand. <laughs> I I thought about that when I read, and I was like, I don't know if you saw my notes when you said that about the. the oh no, 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 no! no I didn't because I, 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 I said the exact thing when uh, in my notes about somebody had to uh, make this ultimate sacrifice. I thought about that too. It was like, yeah, why did it have to be... Well, one, why did it have to be anybody? But why did it have to be that character? That was that was kind of crazy. But anyway. So interestingly, we have um, the introduction of a new style of multiversal spider. And when we get to the conclusion cliffhanger page, it's implied, it is absolutely implied that this multiversal story is now over, but we are not certain. It just maybe. says to be continued. Yeah, maybe. Because right, so we do not know. Right. It's actually kind of made me think of uh, Quantum Leap, because it was like, knowing if the next leap is going to be the one that sends them home, we don't right. know if this is, was the leap that did said thing. Right, 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 right. So, you know, that's that's where this issue ends. Next up is Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. It's written by Jean Luen Yang with art by Marcus To, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So, in the continuing MCUification of Shang-Chi, we have Shang-Chi now in possession of these ten rings, these mysterious ten rings, which are not, repeat, are not the ten rings of the Mandarin. They are. They have a different nature. That different nature, though, makes them dangerous for Shang-Chi to wield continuously. So he puts them away, puts them into deep storage. And one reason I really enjoyed this issue is that Shang-Chi finds himself getting played by old acquaintances, friends, and lovers. And I kind of enjoyed that Jin Luen Yang showed that Shang-Chi, while bright, while trusting, really shouldn't have put that kind of trust in another in, in, in members of a spy agency he once worked with. It worked in. And so, without going too much into this story, there is a double cross. And that double cross is going to lead us further into where this story ends up going. I like the fact 
that Jean Luen Yang mined, just like Dan Slott, mined the long history. You know, Shang-Chi had a pretty long comic book run in the 70s. There were a lot of those issues out there. Obviously, the character lay dormant for much of the 80s, 90s, and even the 2000s until Hickman brought him back. And we will not, we will refuse to acknowledge that one one shot that Roddy Cat does not like. I was unhappy with that as well, but you know, I think Roddy Cat was very unhappy with that. Hated so ultimately, it. right. So, you know what? I need to pull that men on films hated it quote. I really do. <laughs> I need that as a sound drop. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good. I got to hold on. Let me write that down. I got to write that down, folks. I apologize for putting <laughs> for putting a hold on the show because I absolutely need to write that down because I will forget if I don't write it down. So I got to put in hated it from men on films. That is a, an in living color references. <laughs> well, while he's doing right. that, I will, I will um, say that, yeah, I enjoyed this, uh, the Shang-Chi uh, issue also for uh, similar reasons. Cause yeah, it's not too many times that, that Shang-Chi, you know, somebody gets to drop on Shang-Chi. You know, he had his nose open on, on this one. So he, you know, he kind of got, got led. Um, the th- other thing that took me about this was the, the supposed bad person's name, which is something straight out of the seventies. Um, and their name is Carlton, Carlton Velcro. That is a name you would not hear nowadays, or maybe you would, I don't know, depending on what, what, what positive areas you go to, you know? Uh, but that was a name that I don't, well, obviously I had never heard of cause I don't think I was re- reading any, um, Shang-Chi's book, because this is something from way back in the Shang-Chi's. Right, no, this is the 70s. Like, this is like the height of the Kung Fu craze that does actually predate my time on this earth Mm -hmm. and Roddy Cat's time on this earth. Just about, yeah, pretty much. You know, so so at the end of the day, uh, that shows you how long this character has been around, but also, as I said earlier, how long the character lay dormant until... The need for the character to play a more major role because of the MCU came about. Mm-hmm. And that's it for me on Rapid Fire. Um, all right. Before I get into my Rapid Fire, I was something I totally forgot to mention between uh, Miles Morales and Captain America book. They apparently, I, I think Sam's been hanging around with Ake Uncle Aaron. Because they both say the same thing to the bad guy before they punch the, put the before they punch him out. Because um, uh, there's a part where the prowler comes in and helps uh, Miles out, and he's like, "You talked basically says you talk too much." And Sam says the same thing to uh, Crossburn before he before he socks someone, and they say it right. pretty much about the same same way. So I'm like, "What? The, 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 either those two are writings, or that's just some serendipity that was pretty funny." Um, which probably the latter, obviously. Um, anywho, I, I thought that was a that was pretty cool. For myself, we are going to start with. Um, wow, that was a Sylvester moment there. Um, damage control number one. Uh, nice little throwback cover there for number one. So this is. Um, I was about to say, feel free to drop spoilers. I did read this. I just didn't put it on my list. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, that was, that was really not, there's not really much to say about it. Uh, but uh, it's written by Adam F. Goldberg, I guess one of the creators of the Goldberg TV show. Um, and uh, 
He did the, the main story, and the backup story was written by Charlotte Fullerton McDuffie, the wife of the late, great Dwayne uh, McDuffin, also creator of uh, the Damage Control. Um... Uh, Dwayne Duffy, McDuffie, that is. Um, art by Will Robinson and Jay Fogel. Color artist Ruth Threadman. And letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So, yeah, we see the first day of this dude named Gus. Uh, he's talking to... Uh, well, first we see him in a bar talking to uh, a, a character who already works for Damage Control in a, in a, uh, in a capacity that... A th- if I remember this character uh, from the original series, not much different from what he's doing now. Apparently, uh, head in turn means something to uh, some people that really doesn't. But nevertheless, uh, they're talking, and we come to find out that this Gus person just gets a, a LinkedIn message to ask him to work for damage control. Like, dang, I wish that would happen to me. Nobody, nobody's sending me no LinkedIn message to, to get a job. Um, so I assume they're going to bring, this is going to come up at some point because you don't, because, because the other guys like, wait, so you don't know anybody or didn't apply or didn't do anything, you know, to, to get this job. So, and apparently that's not the case, but, uh, the rest of the story is, uh, basically dude showing, uh, Gus around and going through his first day and already in Gus already screwing up. The one thing he had to do was to get, Get a man a piece of ice cream cake. Is that so hard to do, folks? Now, granted, he's also being It's kind of impractical. It's kind of impractical there to, is that you know, also. to deliver the ice cream cake like that. But go well, ahead. Yeah, you, that is also true. I was For some strange reason, I was expecting Iceman to come in and be like, oh, hold on for a second. Let me, I, I got you. You know, but because that's the kind of thing that would happen around damage control. Um, but uh, he... Gus gets in some misadventures that uh, keeps him kind of from getting the ice cream uh, cake to the person that, to to the person gets to, and he also kind of slacks off because he was supposed to be doing you know uh, delivering some other mail, which ends up uh, ends up becoming a uh, an issue uh, near the end of the story. But that he gets some help with that with exception of one that causes a problem, but that gets settled out. Um, and then they they were like, well, maybe the mailroom's not for you. <laughs> and that pretty much ends that story. And then I guess he's going to end up in another department uh, later. Um, and then the, the backup story, which is which um, I guess is set in the past. Because we see basically um, the, the, the character of Bart, who was the person who was talking to Gus in the beginning of this first episode, we see him as a little kid, and his mom comes to visit him as he interns at Damage Control, and she gets into, uh, they, they get into a domestic adventure that's involving uh, Thanos, uh, apparently, and the Reality Stone. Because, you know, that's the kind of thing they have laying around uh, Damage Control. Also, actually, going back to the, the main story, there's a little MCUification going on here because uh, Damage Control in the comics classically known for a cleanup of um, you know superhero battles and that kind of stuff. And yeah, in in the MCU that's kind of been the case. But they also address here that's like, nah, we do more than that. We kind of we're the storage for items of you know the, the of certain things. Uh, of, right, no, just like, like they the, did. Right, just like they did in Homecoming. Right, like right at the beginning, they state they basically 
not quite open with it, but they it, it's almost like it, it really was very upfront, you know, early in the story. Right. So they reestablished that in the in this uh in the in the pages of this, which again, like the kind of the EMCUification of uh damage control. Um you hate to see it. But nevertheless it is what it is. Um but that's pretty much that for that. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna keep up with it because I love damage control. I don't I'm not sure if I how much I will care for it. And I'm not sure how I think it's supposed to be an ongoing, but I don't know if that's actually true or not, but we'll see. Oh, I'll give it a few more issues. See what's up. Uh, next book though is Darth Vader number 26. Yeah, of course. Pardon me. I'm looking for the, there we go. The cover Darth Vader number 26, written by Greg Pak, uh, art by Rafaela Ienko, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, three things of a note. Starts off with a prequel main, uh, I'm going, and also ends with, now this is pod racing, so you know what's going to happen in the course of this uh, uh, episode uh, issue, without me saying anything. You might not know the particulars of why it is happening, but it is happening. Um, but also, apparently, all, it, 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 this, Vader uses, um, and I still haven't seen this movie, and, and there's a reason for that, but uses a trick from Indiana Jones 4, uh, getting out of a situation at the end of it. Uh, because there's this big... Wait, did you say Indiana Jones 4? Yes. Oh. <sighs> I never even watched that movie uh, 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 they're, they're, uh, at all. Gotcha. But yeah, I have a feeling five. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there. That, that's that's the thing that kind of happens. And if you've seen that movie, you kind of know what I'm talking. You might know what I'm talking about. You just might not know what it is in relation to what happens here. Um. But that's the 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 crux of this issue, and it's kind of uh it's kind of amusing that all of that kind of came together. The 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 meme that I'm talking about, um, if you if you're watching the video version, you can see the cover of the book. It has to do with um, it basically has to do with where <laughs> the original recipe of uh, the original version of Vader comes from, and something he says about where he's from. Let's just say that. Or more to the point, the the prevalence of what is there, um, then you know the meme. So next up, uh, Batman White Knight presents Red Hood number two of two. That's a lot. I recognize that. Soup. So yes, this is book two of that uh, mini series uh, dealing with uh, Red Hood and his. Uh, I guess she's a Robin. In this, in the Murphy verse now, but uh, we'll we'll see what that what happens with that. Uh, speaking of the stories by Sean Gordon Murphy, script by Clay uh, McCormick, art by George Cambadius and Simone DeMeo, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Anne World Design. So yes, um, we see Jason Todd. Um, uh, teaching basically, we see a montage of uh, Jason training this uh, young lady named Gan G A N, 
in the ways of being a Robin, you know, getting a physical flit and all that kind of good mess. And in the course of this, we see that Jason apparently starts to have a heart because he said he was going to train her to go up against this one bad guy that's been terrorizing the neighborhood. But then he gets, kind of gets cold feet and it's like, oh, I don't want to do that because you don't want to put he don't, didn't want to put her in that because he didn't want her ended up like he did. You know, uh, in this particular world, um, the events of what happened to him don't necessarily go the way they they happen in the prime DC universe. Um, but he also gets scared witless from it. Let's just say somewhat like that. So that kind of leads him down a path. But nevertheless, things end up having a way of still happening whether you want them to or not because he's basically just like nope gone we're not gonna do this and she's like yes i am and goes off to do it anyway gets herself in some trouble to where jason kind of kind of comes in she kind of gets hurt uh but things still kind of work out in the end and they end up reconciling and apparently they both are going to end up back in the main i say the main book but the um uh beyond the white knight book which is still going on um um, I can't remember what issue it is on, but uh, I'm sure the next next uh, uh, issue of that is coming pretty soon. So we basically are establishing the, the fact that they're going to be a part of this ride also, uh, which I guess this, this whole story was supposedly set up. Didn't necessarily need it to, but it was fun to read anyway. Um, let's see. Last book for me is Defenders Beyond, which was the book I was heavily mentioning earlier. Um, whoops. Yeah, that wasn't supposed to happen. Darn covers. Anywho. Um, as I said the last time we talked about this book, uh, which is being written by Al Ewing, art by Javier Rodriguez, uh, letters by BC's Joe Caramagna. I, in my notes I have, there's a lot of Al Ewing mumbo-jumbo for explaining the existence of the Beyonders which is the truth. And the one particular Beyonder that if you're of a certain vintage, uh, uh, you know and loathe, comes back into play in the course of this issue. Uh, during the course, uh, well, while being explained, while all of this uh, mumbo-jumbo is getting explained. So basically, the the Beyonders are... And I'm not even going to go through the explanation, but the Beyonders are kind of like celestial, the Celestials of the Beyond. Let's put it that way. Somewhat like that. You have to read this for yourself. It's a weird read. Like I said, I would have to read this again, and I, I didn't have the, the, the brain power to read it more than once. Not saying it's a bad read, it's just that it's a lot to take in. <laughs> Especially with Al Ewing. If you've read Al Ewing's um, Ultimate Run, you you kind of get some... It was good read. It was just that like they kind of throws a lot at you. You know, in, in in the explanations, and matter of fact, some of that kind of comes back into play because Blue Marvel is in here, and they've referenced some things from the Ultimates and Captain America and the Mighty Adventures and Secret Wars in a couple of different respects because we find out um, the reason why the original Secret Wars happened is if we didn't already find that out. But basically, it's kind of rehashing some stuff. Basically, going back to what I was saying earlier about the Molecule Man, that little history between he, uh, the Beyonder and him kind of comes back up just a little bit. And Hickman's Secret Wars is also being called back. It also makes it sound like they're kind of setting up for another um, 
Secret Wars type situation going on here. I don't know if that's actually true, but in reading this, they seem to be intent on setting something like that up. Like, there's another thing coming. I'm like, we, we just got the Secret Wars, like, well, it was 2015, so it was a minute ago, nevertheless. So, I don't know. It could be something contained in the... Has it been that long? It Holy... It has been that long since the last... Oh, episode. my goodness. Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. But, yeah, like I said, this, uh, this issue kind of references... Uh, that and the original Secret Wars and a little bit of two, uh, not only Secret Wars two, which I try to forget anytime I chance I get. Um, but at the end of this, one of the characters, uh, that being Galactus's mom, Taya or Taya, I guess I'm not sure how to how that's pronounced, gets an upgrade, and it's a, an upgrade that we have seen recently in the pages of of uh, the Avengers, let's just say. Uh, looking kind of good too, because we show her, we show her at the end of this uh, issue. But um, to what extent that's going to play out, who's to say? And that, folks, is it for me and my books. Clicks of the week. All right, here we go. Clicks of the week. Uh, we do have one actually from one of our other co-hosts. Um, it is Deathstroke number 12 I've got to pull up the chat and see what he said because he did say something about it pardon me a moment folks so Dirt says like I said uh, Deathstroke number Deathstroke Inc. number 12 no it's not Deathstroke Inc. it's just Deathstroke number 12 Um, Deathstroke Inc. is Actually, I don't know. Maybe I need to check. Um, anyway, um, it's a year one origin, which, uh, yeah, uh, again, continues a great origin, adding interesting layers to his history. Uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, it is Deathstroke. Why did I thought that was old? That was the, uh, the last run. So, anyway, but that's uh, Dirt. Do you have yours? or? I think so. Okay. I think so, because... You know, there are a few issues I enjoyed this week. I definitely enjoyed FF number 46, but, you know, it kind of played out the way I thought it would. I, I, you know, despite the fact that I did not appreciate how the Celestial judged Cap, I think I'm going to go with AXE Judgment Day number three because I thought it was a, a pretty effective story with a nice little twist that, you know, that everything was happening in all their heads. So, you know, I kind of appreciated that as a storytelling tool. So I'm going to go with AXE Judgment Day number three. I can say, I will safely say that, and maybe this was the state of being I was in, this one moved um, a lot brisker than the last couple of issues and the Eternals in general have. Right. No, it wasn't just you, trust me. Yeah. So I, I, I appreciated it for that because I was like, I knew as soon as I was going to read this and read it, I was like, oh, this is going to have me. And don't get me wrong, I love reading it. And all that. it was just that this week was, wasn't feeling it because of being sick. So, <laughs> and so between that and Defenders Beyond, I was like, oh, okay, this was, this was kind of taking something out of me. Um, that being said, though, I think. And there was still a couple of books uh, that I didn't get to, but that's, it's, you know, can't get to them all, folks. Can't get to them all. Definitely a potential click of the week uh, in Defenders uh, Beyond number two. 
Um, actually, there was another. Oh, uh, Darth Vader number 26 was a potential. And um, FF was also a potential click. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I'm thinking. Is now that I'm thinking about it, it's as interesting as it is for me to to do because of this, because of what I said about it. Defenders Beyond, I think, is going to be my click. I think that's what I'm going with. Okay. And with that, uh, let us go to the news section. Uh, but first, an ad read, please. All right, our first ad read is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Uh, We start off with this cinematic news as we do about this time. That was not the first one. Why the Sandman TV show is not set in the DC universe. Um, Let's see. It's because... Because of the wonderful things he does. Nice. In an interview with Variety Gaiman, uh, Neil Gaiman, that is, reveals that the actual reason is that it was an attempt to bring the Sandman closer to the arc of the comics, which, as the series progressed, featured fewer references and connections to the DC universe. Uh, Gaiman also revealed that it was to make sure audiences won't expect the Justice League to show up or feel like they had to catch up on another series to enjoy the Sandman. Uh, and then there's a quote uh, that he says um, uh, about that, uh, which we won't go into. But it makes sense, because if I remember, I did read something else that was saying that, yeah, the Sandman started and there was a lot of... Um, there was, there was a lot of DC crossover or main DC crossover in the beginning of it, and then it just started filtering out as the series going goes by. So, right, um, it makes this makes sense. Absolutely. Next up, absolutely. So now this is very unfortunate news that I am about to relay to everyone because I, for one, was very excited to hear about one of these projects being announced, HBO Max has canceled six more animated projects, including Batman Caped Crusader. Earlier this week, TV Line reported that the series coming from Batman the Animated Series' Bruce Timm, along with J.J. Abrams, is no longer being produced for HBO Max. It and the other five projects will reportedly continue production as they are shopped to other outlets. That is so disappointing. I was excited to see Bruce Tim approach, you know, an animated Batman again. One, right. two, probably give it a more adult twist. And you know, I, 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 I'll, I just have to tolerate J.J. Abrams being involved. 
Also canceled in this latest wave are Merry Little Batman, The Day the Earth Blew Up, a Looney Tunes movie, Bye Bye Bunny, a Looney Tunes musical. Did I do that to the holidays? A Steve Ur- I I knew I was reading that correctly. Did mm-hmm. I do that mm-hmm. to the holidays? A Steve Urkel story and the amazing world of Gumball, the movie. These projects are just the latest to fall victim to HBO Max's continued shift in strategy. Oi. They're doing a Steve one. Urkel animated show? Did I do that? Apparently I'm wondering if I should get that, if I should pull, pull that as an audio drop. So I saw uh, one William Bruce West. Uh, the, I, well, I guess I could say a friend of the show. I'm not sure. But, um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, talking about that, like, he was more excited. He was um, genuinely excited for that Steve Urkel um um, holiday special, whatever that was. I think it was, something, it was that and a gumball. Now, I love me some gumball. I did not know they were doing a gumball movie, so I'm kind of sad that they're not going to do uh, a gumball movie. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of gumball still out there. And there's also Driftwood, which is also something else that got uh, canceled, but I don't know too much about that. But it was uh, along lines of some of those other uh, newer, like Infinity Train and stuff, what other, other stuff that got canceled. So yeah, they just kind of slashing and burn stuff. Crazy, know, man. Yeah, that Steve Urkel thing. I also didn't know about that until this came came about. So I'm like, what the <laughs> world was that about? <clears throat> oh my goodness! I mean, no, but in all seriousness, that Batman right. news is really tough to deal with. That's How just you cancel tough. a Bruce Tim uh, 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 um, project at this point, knowing that this is the dude that put you there, right? In a sense, but then again, it's this fool that's over. Um, uh, Discovery Warner Brothers now, so right that's got a lot to do with that, and that's a continuing story. Anywho, uh, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and Aquaman: uh, The Lost Kingdom both have been delayed. So, in an updated calendar, Warner Brothers announced that the Shazam sequel will not be released on March seventeenth, twenty twenty-three, instead of December twenty-first, twenty twenty-two. Probably still going to be a Christmas movie, though. Um, this March date was originally held by Aquaman 2, which is now being pushed, um, back to, what, December, December 21st, 2023. Weird. No reason was given for the delay, and yet the movies like Black Adam and The Flash appear to be keeping their release on dates and original people because of that latter one, which I'm still... We're not gonna we're not gonna go back on that again because that's still some bullshit. Next up, so this is news to me. It's long been reported that the new administration at Warner Brothers Discovery, as we've been discussing, was looking to hire a new head of DC who would guide the company's DC Extended Universe film franchise in a manner similar to what Kevin Feige has done with the MCU. Apparently, the search is nearing its conclusion. According to the Hollywood Reporter, this is according to, uh, you know, obviously it's it's still rumor at this point, but this is a legitimate publication that reports on Hollywood news. Producer Dan Lin is in talks to become the new DC chief. In this role, Lin would oversee DC's film and television divisions. Sources say that he would be reporting directly to Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav, bypassing Warner Brothers picture bosses Michael DeLuca and Pam uh, uh, Abdi. HBO 
Max and HBO chief Casey Bloys and Warner Brothers television chairwoman Channing Dungey. In other words, control of DC's screen projects would rest squarely in Lynn's hands. The Hollywood Reporter also reports that should Lynn take over DC, current DC Films president Walter Hamada would transition out of that role. In spite of this report, however, Variety reports that while Lynn is indeed in the running, Warner Brothers Discovery has yet to extend him a formal offer. Furthermore, there's still many hurdles standing in the way of any deal uh, moving forward. So we will remain in touch with the news and with you folks to let you know if this is in fact uh, getting ready to happen. Did you did you mention where this person uh, is notable? I guess supposedly notable from. Well, he produced the Lego movie and the Lego movie 2, the second part, as well as the DC-themed spinoff, the Lego Batman movie, and another spinoff in the form of the Lego Ninjago movie. He's also produced live-action Warner Brothers productions like Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, It, and It Chapter 2. Okay. Yeah. So, there you go. (laughs) A name I had never heard of before now. And actually, I don't think I've watched any of those movies now that I think about it. But, hey. Nevertheless, Secret Invasion wraps reshoots, as apparently, according to this article, uh, photography on Secret Invasion is close to over, with Samuel Jackson celebrating the occasion on social media. Uh, This is from a couple of weeks ago. Um, Let's see. The the Marvel mainstay shared a selfie on Instagram saying wrap day on the upcoming show was underway. Uh, the series had been shooting additional scenes in and around London for the better half of three weeks. And again, like I said, this is um, this is uh, an article from August 14th, so uh, that is a thing that has happened already. Next up. Sorry, let me pull this story out. So there is a report. Secret Invasion's Amelia Clark, the former Daenerys Targaryen, uh, is cast as a key scroll, and according to an insider, Clark will reportedly appear in Secret Invasion as a scroll from Marvel Comics, known as Gia slash Gloria Warner, although this has not been officially confirmed. Created by Robbie Thompson and Nico Henricon. Or Henricon, Gia made her Marvel Comics debut in Meet the Scrolls, number one in 2019. So when I saw this, I was thinking, what, oh, Key Scroll? Is it going to be Queen Ferenki? That's what I thought when I read it, when I, when I read the headline, and then I started reading the article. I'm like, huh? Exactly. Really? You know what my response would should be. Um, where are you, Korath? Where did I put you, Korath? Who? Thank you. So for those that don't know, Queen Frankie, uh, for I guess that's how to pronounce it, I'm not sure, but um, was one of the bigger antagonists of Secret Invasion, let's just say, from what from what I re- little I remember reading of Secret Invasion. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it has recently come back up in the pages of um, Spider Woman at the end of that yep. run. So, anywho. Um, we already talked about this. This is what the the Disney uh, the She-Hulk's timeline in the MCU, so we're going to skip that. Mark Ruffalo says Avengers Secret Wars will go out with a big bang. Haha, <laughs> get it? Because big bow, yeah. 
And it all started. Anyway, in an interview with um, Entertainment Weekly at the premiere of She-Hulk Attorney at Law, or as this week's title card say, um, <laughs> uh, She-Hulk Attorney for Hire. But anyway, uh, Ruffalo was asked how Secret Wars would be compared to 2019's uh, Avengers Endgame. He quotes, well, it's going to be hard to top Endgame. But if I know Marvel Studios president, I love how they have that in quotes, <laughs> Kevin Feige. Uh, uh, um, and uh, if I know Marvel, it's going to be pretty amazing, the actor revealed. Uh, it'll be a big bang. We'll go out uh, with a big bang. Ruffalo, who you know, said anytime. Oh, he was also asked uh, about rumors of a World War Hulk movie was in the development or not. And he said, anytime they want me to, to, they want to do it, I'm here. Which, again, this article is from August 16th, uh, before last uh, the, this uh, episode of uh, She-Hulk uh, came out. I think we can't assume that it's still going to happen, but I feel like they're making headway to where that's probably going to be a thing that happens. Next up. Thor Love and Thunder is coming to Disney+. Plus. Very soon. Mm-hmm. Disney has confirmed that Thor Love and Thunder will be available on Disney Plus starting September 8th. So it's only a little bit more than a week away with the date now acting as its new Disney Plus day. The movie, the move keeps up Disney Plus's recent trend to bring its Marvel Cinematic Universe blockbusters to the streaming service just a few months later after their cinema debut. D- uh, Thor Love and Thunder only hit theaters on July 8th. And I believe the the assembled making of is also going to drop that day of um, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. I believe it says that in this in this article. If it doesn't, I know I saw an article, an, another article that said as much. So right. Uh, One division director Matt Shackman uh, in talks to helm Marvel's uh, Fantastic Four movie. Uh, there was also another article saying that uh, I believe he was attached to the. Star Trek movie that they're trying to get off the ground, the next Star Trek movie, but I think that has been, uh, he's off of that because, not not because of this, but surrounding this, put it that way. Right, I was about to say, I think it's mostly related to this. Right. I don't, you know, I, it's it's early, it's too early to say because of this, but right. we're pretty sure it's because of this. Yeah, I mean, the, the, even in this article, we still don't know, like, it's just saying there's rumors, it's in talks, that doesn't mean he's doing it, that doesn't mean it's going to happen, Marvel's not not commenting on us also, so, you know, there's nothing concrete in this whatsoever. But he's in talks for it. He could be next in line to do Fantastic Four if that happens off, and that Star Trek movie is just going to go wherever it is going to go, or with who is it going to go to. Next up. All right, Ant-Man star Michael Pena plays Koi on, his, on a possible Quantumania return. So he recently refused to either confirm or deny that he's going to return for the upcoming sequel, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Good for you, because we all know that the laser sights are going to be fixed on you if you let spill any of the beans. Look out, Michael Pena! I mean, they wouldn't get him for saying whether he's in it or not. Well, you know what? They probably would. It depends. Point, That's you know? the thing. It depends. They they have to have him. He's like the... Well, I don't know. He don't have to, but I don't know. It, it'd be right. a shame well, if they because, didn't have because him. Because of what happened to T.I. 
right? So because of what happened to Ti, there's you know there's like less of a a reason to bring in those particular characters. But he was obviously the lead supporting character. Then there's a uh, David Dasmalchian's character, you know, uh, 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 the Baba Yaga. Uh, you know that yeah, the Kurt or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. think it was Kurt. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, Ti has no great loss, but yeah, it was like you gotta have Luis in here though. Right. Somebody's got to narrate. So if, who, who, who but Luis? That's all I'm saying. It's gotta, yeah. gotta happen. Got it. Got it. Got it. You know, somebody's gonna roll up to to, to Kang and be like, "Oh, yo, man, it's like this." I'm not gonna go through the whole thing because I'm not, you know. But I'm just saying, somebody got to go talk to Kang, and who mm-hmm. better but Luis? That's all I'm saying. Anywho, uh, Punisher Warzone re- receives 4K Ultra HD Steelbook Blu-ray release. That's that's a lot for for a 2008 movie. Um, Lionsgate's 2008 big screen. I'm saying I'm saying uh, big screen loosely, but um, anyway, uh, Lionsgate's 2008 big screen Marvel adaptation Punisher Warzone is getting a new deluxe 4K. Um, uh, Blu-ray edition in October. Uh, it's getting trimmings and trimmings and trimmings and some featurettes and some audio commentary with uh, director Lexi Alexander and uh, director of uh, photography Steve Gainer. And also uh, includes our explorations into the film's visuals and weapons along with a study of its main antagonist, Jigsaw. So yeah, I can't remember which... If that was the better of the two uh, Punisher movies or not, I don't know. I think it was. I mean, the Thomas Jane one wasn't terrible, but it just wasn't right. comic accurate. This one strove to be a little bit more comic accurate, you know, because it had uh, microchip and, 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 and some other stuff. But, yeah, this is the one I think is a little bit more comic accurate. Yeah. Neither of them are mcu level comic accurate neither so. of them are supposedly great either but i mean yeah supposedly That's true. people like true. right supposedly people like this one more than the other one yep 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 yep. i can say that i can i can i can say that i am in that boat as well yeah so i don't know i have to watch these one of these one of these days next up yep next up so the late nichelle nichols who played lieutenant uhura in the original star trek will reportedly have her ashes sent into space according to the not quite reputable TMZ, the actor's ashes will be added to the United Launch Alliance's Vulcan Centaur rocket. I mean, come on. Of course it would be the Vulcan Centaur rocket, which is set to launch for the moon in December 2022. The rocket will also carry the remains of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, as well as James Doohan, who played Scotty in the original series, and Majel or Majel Barrett Roddenberry, who played Nurse Chapel. Yeah, you had it right, Majel. Majel. Yeah. Um... So yeah, normally I wouldn't take up anything that that citing from TMZ, but I think I have also seen this in other more reputable places. Mm-hmm. But this is the only article that I've seen that was well, the first article I saw about it. So that's yeah, sure with that. So uh, anyway, I am actually going to take these next two. Hey, go related. for it. Uh, because they were dealing with the live-action Avatar, the last Airbender thing that is still going on, apparently. So, one, they find uh, their Mai, which completes Azula's trio. Uh, according to Avatar's news, Thalia Tran, 
who has previously starred in titles such as Ray and the Last Dragon, will portray the Fire Nation noble in the upcoming show and will enjoy an expanded role for her animated from her animated counterpart. Excuse me. Um, so there is that. And Francois Chow is from The Expanse, who, who's a character I'm not entirely sure if I remember or not, uh, also joins uh, the Avatar uh, adaptation in, uh, an unro- in, in a role of uncertain size, according to, um, according to this article. And that news is coming from the same rumor site, so take this, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's a rumor site, but whatever. Um, Apparently, he's best known for Lost and The Expanse, and uh, was also in Raya and the Last Dragon. And uh, it's Raya. Raya, excuse me, pardon. Um, okay. And DC's Birds of Prey movie, which I vaguely remember him in. Nevertheless, um, yeah, but we don't know who this person is playing. Next up. Gotcha. Next up, Star Wars Vision showrunner James Wall teases that season two of the Disney Plus series will move beyond anime and explore other animation types. So he spoke to Deadline about crafting the unique Star Wars anthology series and how the upcoming second season will continue to evolve the show's approach to animation. Now, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was like, well, I guess. Yeah, no, he said that it's a it's sort of a global tour of some of the most interesting animation studios on a global level. That's it. Right, which makes sense because there was there was nothing inherently saying, "Hey, this is strictly anime." Right, because it's not called Star Wars anime; it was called Star Wars Visions. So it makes sense; makes total sense. Absolutely. Um, so, but still looking forward one way or the other. Um, now we're getting to the anime corner. Anime corner. We'll get to that. Sailor Moon's lost American pilot has been found. So, um, yeah, folks, there was supposed to be. Supposed uh, to be? Yeah, supposed to be an Americanized version of the Sailor Moon uh, anime. Live action, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, if, I didn't watch this, uh, but I feel like, for some strange reason, I feel like I've seen this. And I don't know why. So this is from Deke, D-I-C, uh, purveyors of um, uh, Inspector Gadget and uh, the, the the like. Um, right. Back in the eighties, you couldn't you couldn't step too far too many too many places without finding a, a, a Deke animated. Uh, uh, exactly. So, but it says here, unlike the original dubbed adaptation from. Oh, no. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. No, no. This is not from Deke. This is, I think, it's from uh, Saban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deke was... Deke did the animated dub of Sailor Moon and, uh, from from all accounts, horribly bad uh, when they brought it over to America. Um, this is about Saban, the purveyors of the Power Rangers. Thank you. Uh, who decided to say, hey, let's do a live-action Sailor Moon. Um... And uh, which apparently did not get off the ground because the pilot was shot, but uh, buried because uh, apparently it didn't test well or something. Uh, um, it says producing full, lost the time, 
and the only way real the only real way fans in the current age have seen it was a camera recording of the pilot footage during a convention decades ago. Uh, according to this, wait. Okay, that's funny. So, some YouTuber named Ray Ramona, whose real name is Raven Simone, and I don't think it's that Raven Simone, uncovered the la- the lost pilot uh, through months of digging and uh, basically put it out on YouTube. So, you can check the the, the Sailor Moon, the, sub- the Savannah vacation of Sailor Moon for yourself uh, in all its glory. Uh... And I believe this was like '90s, so you know it was uh, it was like this, that turtles, whatever that uh, VR troopers. It was along those lines uh, of uh, good, bad. I, I would say. Anyway, oh. next up. <laughs> uh, so apparently, when it comes to thrilling anime IPs, you can't do much better than Psychopaths. Is this on my list? That's what just made me. That's why I, I literally just had my notebook in my hands. So the franchise has some of the best drama in anime, but it's been a while since there's been any new content. But the anime is celebrating its 10th anniversary, and reports have confirmed the anime is working on a new film that will dish out all sorts of juicy drama. So this was reported. Uh, via Twitter so and according to and according to a new report from production IG Psychopath Providence is in production at the studio okay I know people, so it was made public and uh, there's been a poster released right I know people love Psychopaths I've never I don't think I've ever watched it though I might have watched yeah, it yeah it's episode. not on my, I don't see it on my list should you think I should you think I should add it I, Mob Psycho is what I have, but not yeah. psychopath. I would say confer with your uh, the 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 members of your um, your your anime, anime advisory, advisory committee. Council. Yeah. Yes, um, because they would probably know better than I do on this. One. I, I would I will confer uh, defer to them on that one. Okay, will do. I will run it by them. Uh, meanwhile, uh, oh, wait, is this me or you? No, no, no. I just did psychopath. So <laughs> go ahead. One Punch Man Season 3 announced. What else needs to be said? Anyway, as reported by Crunchyroll, um, the official website for the One Punch Man TV anime confirmed on Thursday, or, or well, recently, excuse me, that a third season of the hit show was going into production. A key visual drawn by the character designer um, Chikashi, um, excuse me, Chikashi, Kubota, I can speak, I promise, was posted alongside the announcement. The artwork features a Saitama and Garu, uh, but doesn't offer any other teasers of what might actually involve in the upcoming season. You know, I feel like it wrapped up fairly decently, but I can go for some more Punch, more punch Man. So, sure, why not? Next up. Alrighty. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, the first main series in the legendary mecha franchise since 2016's Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, is set to kick off with a simultaneous broadcast in and out of Japan this October. But if you can't wait that long for a glimpse, a special prologue episode is on on the way very soon. Sunrise has confirmed that the Witch from Mercury prologue, a one-off episode set before the events of the primary series, will begin streaming on the Gundam Info YouTube channel for free from September 1st. Okay. Ooh, that's uh, in a couple of days. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will look Interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero dominates weekend box office with record opening. Um, neither uh, uh, Agent Seventy or I have had. Well, wait. Yeah, I have watched it. Okay, that's no, no, yes, because I know we talked about. We discussed it, but... this. We discussed this the other day. I yes. have watched it, and all of the reports of storyline and the focus of the storyline were absolutely true. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, it did pretty well. But then let me see how much did it pull in. Do, 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 do. According to whatever, uh, a solid twenty mil USD uh, in the that's opening good. weekend. That's pretty good. Uh, the big achievement comes on the heels of Crunchyroll's biggest theatrical release to date, uh, with nearly four thousand screens showing the movie. Uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero had the largest drop of uh, of an anime movie stateside to date, and it did the same on a global uh, scale to boot. So. Yeah, it did some numbers. I think if somebody was like, hey, we should look into this anime thing. And I saw somebody uh, saying out there, but it's Dragon Ball. Of course it was going to do some numbers. So, cool. Um, Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, never mind. I was about to say, it just says that that Bullet Train movie was second. And um, it looks like maybe third was Top Gun, which is apparently still in the the theaters. Yeah, because... They actually, they're actually, you know, on top of Top Gun Maverick being a definite old school throwback, Mm -hmm. it's so popular that they're just keeping it in theaters for as long as they can to try to milk it as long as they can. Although it has already dropped on video on demand, but it's not streaming technically on any service yet, but it's on video on demand right now. I did see it. Uh, while I was scrolling through, I still have cable, so I was still scrolling through my Verizon FiOS, and uh, I saw it on the video on demand channel. Gotcha. But cool. Um, next up. Next up. So uh, Akira Toriyama uh, says basically that he got to see the completed Dragon Ball Super superhero movie, and to put it shortly, he says it's an amazing anime movie. Of course, to have the original creator say that say that may not be the most convincing argument. But he couldn't help but get excited when he was watching it. Uh, he says, I'm an old man, and yet I got excited. Okay, good for him. So, uh, while this sounds like not news, it is kind of. Because let us, let us, let us can, uh, think about the fact that GT is out there, which he had nothing to do with. That he right. has, uh, <laughs> Super has overwritten. So if he didn't like this movie, I would like to believe. I'm not. I can't speak for him. I would like to believe that you know he wouldn't. He wouldn't pull any punches on it. But right. also, let's face it. He's he was involved with this one, so I don't think he was gonna you know <laughs> say nothing bad about something he was involved with. Right. Obviously, he didn't see like the the final final animation until recently. But you know, good for him that he's happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all you would kind of hope for. You know. Uh, let's see. Pink Bleach Thousand Year War uh, War Report uh, teases new anime updates coming soon. So basically, there's rumors that yeah, there's going to be uh, which we've talked about in the past. I, I realize that now, but um, there's rumors that there's going to be. Well, we know it's coming. We don't know necessarily when it's coming. Um, so according to a recent write-up in Shonen Jump that revealed the, the fact that it's pre- preparing to drop so uh, even though the details of the revelations are still clouded in mystery so yeah we know it's coming it sounds like it's probably close to coming 
but we don't know when and, and what it all is entailed. Uh, what's all involved. So I'm looking forward to it one way or the other. And I need to catch up on Bleach. Next up. My Hero Academia is, is slated to bring its latest season to life this fall, and all eyes are on the show ahead of its comeback. So season six promises to bring one of the story's most intense arcs yet to life on the screen. Uh, fans are waiting on edge for more updates. And now we've learned that two songs which accompany the season as themes have been released or at least been been um yeah it looks like they're recognized now so it turns out season six is going with fresh talent where its music is concerned so you can read up on songs below us and on these songs the opening is hitamuki by super beaver super beaver is a japanese group that's actually done music for uh haiku and the Uh ending music is sketch by kiro akiyama so it looks like uh, you can access these online. Wait, did you know that the, the super? I, well, I assume knowing. I don't know why I asked that question, but <laughs> I assume you do Super Beaver right off the rip. But right, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, they've done music for Haikyuu. Right, because I don't I was just like, "Wait, did they say that in this article?" It's like, look, look at Agent Seventy coming up with the with the with the uh, the with the anime music knowledge already. <laughs> tables turning, folks. Tables turning. Where I actually know a little bit more about anime than Roddy Cat, just for a second. Uh huh. <laughs> <And laughs> now we uh, move over into the comic book news. Meet Nightwing's very own Batmite, Nightmite. That's that's the name, Nightmite. Say that five times. Okay. Why? <laughs> Revealed on Twitter by Nightwing series writer Tom Taylor and artist uh, Br- Bruno Redondo, Nightwing '98 makes marks the first appearance of Nightmite, a character designed by artist Danielle Di uh, Di Nicolo. Uh, and inspired, of course, by Batmite. The future issue will be written by Taylor with interior art by Nicolo and main cover art by Redondo. Uh, if uh, Nightmite is anything like Batmite, according to this article, Chaos should be heading uh, Dick Grayson's way in the issue. Yeah, I don't know why either, but hey, there you go. Next up. Ah, so this is some. These are some spoilers for Deceased War of the Undead Gods number one, which I think came out last week. And bottom line is that you know I don't want to spoil this because you know I'm not reading this. I think Roddy Cat is reading this. Uh, like Deceased stuff. I was reading this, but I dropped off of it a while ago. Oh, okay. But bottom line is there is a, a story-based reason why Batman and members of the Bat family cannot be brought back um, because of something in this DC storyline. And I'll leave it at that. Well, I mean, it's been I don't want to get into it. I really don't. You know, because it's that's just this is just a little too spoilery. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. Um, Batman and Robin, uh, uh, excuse me, Batman versus Robin assembles Zatanna, Constantine, and other magic users. So this is for that upcoming uh, 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 event of the name that pits Bruce Wayne against Damien. Uh, and apparently they're going to have some magic users involved, just like most of them, if not all of them. 
So, let's see, DC released a comic trailer for the five-issue miniseries showing panels drawn by Batman vs. Robin artist Mahmoud Rajrar and narrated by series writer Mark Wade. In the video, Wade name-drops several DC magicians, heroes and villains, uh, involved in, the Batman, in Batman vs. Robin. And that includes the aforementioned uh, Zatanna, John Constantine, Etrigan the Demon, Felix Faust, and Tanarak. Uh, it promises readers that, quote, you're going to be seeing as many of the magic characters as we have in the DC Universe, unquote. So it says that uh, something is horribly wrong in the magic realm during the title, with some panels showing Satana hanging from a rope, plants protruding from Constantine's body as Swamp Thing watches in horror, and more. The root of the chaos is said to be Damian Wayne. Which reminds me, I haven't read uh, this week's Robin. And I don't know if that has, I assume, whatever's happening in, the, in that is probably leading up to this. Um, but, hey, sure. Next up. And actually, I think probably something coming out of um, World's Finest, now that I think about it, might, but might be kind of coming to this. But we'll see, I guess. Next up. So this story contains spoilers for a couple of weeks now. A couple weeks old comic, Dark Crisis, Young Justice, number three. Bottom line here is that uh, Young Justice, number three, sees Superboy, Impulse, and Robin being urged to start killing villains as the result of the quote-unquote death of the Justice League. And now um, some of the characters are being urged to take uh, much more harsher measures as the villains have made their move as the result of uh, Pariah and this Dark Crisis stuff. Hey, Pariah, we don't go back like... Okay, anyway. Um, oh, no, I, I just figured out what you were trying <laughs> to adapt. Okay. DC result reveals Jon Stewart's shocking Green Lantern secret. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, this is spoilers for Dark Crisis World Without a Justice League Green Lantern number one, which is on sale... Wait, this is... Wait, a lot of week old or something? I guess I don't know. I'm not reading any of this Dark Crisis book. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. This uh, book throws John Stewart into a world where he's become the ultimate Green Lantern, and his sister Eleanor has become the central power battery. Wait, that's that's kind of messed up. <laughs> uh, let's see. It comes from Philip Kennedy Johnson, artist Fernando Blanco, uh, colorist Jody Belair, and letterer Joy. Uh, Troy Pateri. It's a one shot set after the events of Justice League 75 where Jon Stewart and the rest of the Justice League apart from Black Adam were defeated and captured by Pariah and his Dark Army. Uh, which I still haven't read that either. So, um, But yeah, it, this kind of goes on today. I won't say too much more about that but apparently the, Jon Stewart's got a secret and uh, only you can guess. See if you can guess. Next up. For the first time in over a decade, Jim Lee's Wildcats, his original concept and creator-owned characters, which were later bought out by DC when DC bought Wildstorm, are hitting comic book shops with a brand new series that will see them facing none other than Gotham City's Court of Owls. Wildcats number one, written by Matthew Rosenberg and illustrated by Steven Segovia, goes on sale in November. The issue, sees, the issue sees Cold Cash, 
coal cash, not cold cash, coal cash being known, better known as the red mask wearing gun toting renegade, never been afraid to talk, uh, grifter. Did you get what I was quoting? Uh, I was assuming renegade by Eminem. Well, it's really Jay-Z, but yeah, it's also true that Eminem probably took that entire song over. But, um... Working for the Halo Corporation to assemble a group of operatives with the goal of completing missions in the outskirts of the DC Universe. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> DC launches a new Justice Society of America series with Jeff Johns and Mikhail Janin. Uh, let's see. The JSA headlines its first monthly ongoing series in years this November. What? Uh, with the aforementioned creative team. Justice Society of America No. 1 features a bevy of long-standing JSA heroes, including the original Flash, uh, Green Lantern, and Hawkman, as they team up to defeat the unusual enemy who's disrupted temporal history, because that's the always the way. Uh, the Time Masters, DC's defenders of the time stream, led by Rick Hunter, are also teased to make uh, an appearance. Uh, preview of the cover of Justice Society number one also shows Huntress, presumably the Helena Wayne version, originally from uh, Earth Two, standing in front of her forebears. So, there you go. If you like the JSA, and I know some of you do, there you go. Next up, Luke Fox, who is the brother of Jace Fox, uh, one of the cur- the two current Batmans. Uh, and Luke Fox is also the former Batwing, dons a brand new superhero suit. Where is my brand new superhero suit? In Harley Quinn number 21, although the character says he's still working on a superhero name. Okay. It's a interesting looking suit because, <clears throat> excuse me, as you quote Frozone, it kind of does look like it. Like, right, it's like Frozone with a cat look and right. a little rip claw slash Lady Deathstrike, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. So. Like rip claw. It's funny though. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like rip claw slash Warblade from the Image days, you know, when everyone was doing a Wolverine uh, knockoff. Psst. You know, rip claw. I think was the the Cyber Force one, and Warblade was the one that was from Wildcats, the previously mentioned Wildcats. I'll take your word for it because I wasn't reading any of those. Okay, I definitely was. I was definitely an art follower at the time, so... Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, that's the thing. Um, Wonder Woman's sister... I like how they couch that. Wonder Woman's sister Nubia is joining the Justice League. So, keeps it in the family. Um, Revealed in DC's November 2022 solicitations, which I believe have been out a week or so, if I'm not mistaken. Um... Nubia and the Justice League number one. Excuse me, Nubia and the Justice League special number one comes from writers uh, Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, and Stephanie Williams, and artist um, Amon K. Nahudupan and Alitha Martinez. In honor of the character's fiftieth anniversary, the one shot will see Nubia join in with uh, Superman, Batman, and the rest of the Justice League to battle a mysterious enemy. Uh, and it goes into the synopsis that pretty much repeats what I just said. Um, so I guess, let me see. So Diana, Hippolyta, and now Nubia have all joined the Justice League. So I'm just saying, you, you got to keep those legacy going, you know. Uh, and this comes out September 6th. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Is that right? 
November 29th is when this comes out. It's following, it's, oh, it's talking about the Nubia Queen of Amazon uh, miniseries that ends with the, uh, on September 6th. So there you go. Next up. Steel returns in the upcoming Death of Superman 30th anniversary special. And, it, and, and that special features four new tales centered on Superman's death, and one of them delves into the character of John Henry Irons, Irons better known as Steel. And uh, the story is going to be written by Louise Sim- Weezy Simonson and illustrated by John Bogdanov with colors by Glenn Whitmore and letters by Rob Lee. And the story focuses on John before he dons his high-tech armor as an ode to Superman. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm interesting, interested in checking that out. I I remember reading, well, no, I remember skimming Death of Superman because that was kind of one of those things like, oh, I wasn't really reading books, but then I was happening to be in the, in the comics and seeing that. I mean, in the in the store and reading it, seeing that. Right. Like, Let me thumb through the trade when the, when the trade was out. Was right. Like, huh, this was a whole lot. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, it was. And then that terrible move with Shaq, <clears throat> lest we forget. Um, which weirdly deserves a revisitation. I don't know why I said that. Probably will never happen. Next up, though, <clears throat> DC pits uh, static against his most personal enemy yet. So this is uh, let's see, a reveal at the cover work um, for Static Shadows of Dakotas number three, two, and three. Uh, written by Vida, Vida Ayala and Nicholas Draper Ivy, uh, which is also illustrated by Draper Ivy. See, Shadows of Dakota 2 is slated to hit comic book shops Tuesday, November 1st. Excuse me, issue 3 will follow suit on December 6th. Uh, let's see, the issue follows Virgil Hawkins Static as he seeks out the leader of a vigilante group hunting down the Bang Babies. Uh, upon, among those in the crosshair is Virgil's friend Quincy, who is beginning to manifest superpowers. Kind of almost like in the show. So, yeah, the, this article has um, some cover art by uh, Nicholas Draper Ivory, who's done some great work with, uh, with that series. You should check it out um, when you get a chance. Next up. Next up, so... The Royal Mail in the United Kingdom is about to introduce some amazing postage stamps featuring heroes from the 80s who are none other than the Transformers more than meets the eyes. So this is G1 stuff. The art here is reminiscent of the G1 uh, art from the from the uh, animated series as well as the box art on the Transformers toys. The collection will be available starting on September 1st. And the cheapest way to grab all 13 is with the Transformers presentation pack, which will sell for 17 and a half pounds or about $21 in United States dollars. If you're wondering if, uh, if uh, Radicat is thinking about getting, trying to find this, maybe. There Next you go. Th- um, Marvel receives two Toy of the Year nominations for 2022. Uh, so... I didn't know there was such a thing, but uh, apparently there's a Toy of the Year award. 
uh, celebrates the best of the best within the toy and collectibles industry across 17 categories, with Marvel receiving honors in both Construction Tour of the Year and Doll of the Year categories. Uh, and both of those for are for I Am Groot Lego set, that's one, for the Construction Toy of the Year. And the doll of the year is for that newly released Black Panther Wakanda Forever collectible, uh, collectible dolls that we talked about, I think, last week on the show. So, uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see the Groot, the Lego Groot thing, and uh, you can see the um, the dolls of Okoye and uh, Okoye and Nakia, and uh, I guess that's supposed to be Riri. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Oh, yes, that's supposed to be Shuri. Excuse me. Okoye, Shuri, and Nakia. So, there you go. Go vote, folks. Uh, cast it valid between now and September 2nd, which is a few days from now as of this recording. So, you ain't got much time. Next up. So, to help celebrate the 60th anniversary of Spider-Man, Toy NK, or Toink, has released two new cozy Sherpa blankets showing off some classic Spider-Man comic book covers. So the new blanket looks cozy and features 60 classic comic book covers, including Amazing Fantasy number 15, Marvel Team Up number 9, Amazing Spider-Man 316, Spider-Man Torment number 1, and The Spectacular Spider-Man number 200. The 72 by 67 inch blanket comes in either red or blue solid color backing, and you can get these for $59.99 right now. Medusa with the living hair that'll get you. Oh, sorry. I was being reminded of uh, Spidey and his amazing friends because of one of these covers. Um, that's fun. But yeah, that's... If you're it's kind of cool. Yeah, if you're watching the video version, you can... I assume you can... That's what the thing is going to look like. Uh, just a bunch of co- covers stitched together. So Right. And I'm like, wait a second. I, I got I to gotta measure that out. I'm like, is that... Uh, uh, seventy-two by sixty-seven. Like, what? What does that cover? Is that a queen or a king size or that's a sherpa a blanket? Question. I'm like, oh, that's. It's. I'm kind of curious to like measure this out and see right. what that actually covers, or it if it's be... just like a throw blanket. Because it, from one of the pictures in the in the image, it looks like it's a throw blanket. Mm. Yeah. Like the, you see the lady with the dog. Oh wait. You see that? Like if you click through the slideshow. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. You have to go through to the Toy and K uh, link yeah, at the bottom of the story. Yeah, okay. In fact, right. So way. I'm not 100% sure if this actually f- covers you if you're on a bed, but it looks like a nice, you know, like a throw blanket if you're on the couch. Actually, yeah, there is a, there is a, um, I don't know. Yeah, just the, the second, the, the, the picture I think you were talking about with the girl, the lady on the couch. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That looks. Right, it's hard to tell. Like I said, you yeah. know, now that they give you the dimensions, you could just grab a tape measure and just measure. I forget what what a a king or queen bed actually measures out to be. That can't so. be. A, definitely can't be a king, though. That's, that's, that's right. It's definitely not. That seems too small. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, but it's just uh, it's a good look. So you have to measure that one out for yourself. Um, right. Did you say the price? Sixty bucks. Yes, fifty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Next up. Uh, Marvel's Black Panther's Dreams of Wakanda gets official release date. So, um, 
Marvel Studios recently announced Dreams of Wakanda, a book created by contributors involved in producing the 2018 uh, Black Panther film, will be released on September 6th, 2022. Uh, the book features an analysis of the cultural impacts of the film, as well as a behind-the-scenes look at the features of fashion and art. Uh, how much is this going to be? Uh, Disney has partnered with Penguin Random House for Dreams of Wakanda's release. The company has organized an event for the book launch and intends on donating part of the proceeds to two charitable or, uh, organizations, First Books and Books for Africa. Uh, while Disney will be donating $1 million for First Book, Penguin will be making a donation of approximately $100,000 to Books for Africa. Uh, First Books is a non-profit organization that works uh, to aid undeserved uh, communities and close the gap in basic needs and educational equity. Books for Equity uh, for Africa was founded to, quote, end the book famine in Africa. So, let's see. Yep. Release date, uh, it's currently, I don't see a price for this book. Uh, but pre-orders are definitely on right now, so I don't see a link to go through it. Next up, though, while I look that up. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So, so for, for over 30 years, Marvel has collected the seminal stories of the Marvel Universe and Marvel Masterworks. And now, 330 volumes later. That, you, you'd be breaking your bookcase with that. Marvel is proud to welcome fans to Marvel, goodness, Remaster Works. By popular demand, the Remaster Works will be new printings of early Marvel Masterworks, now with improved restoration and expanded bonus material, including scans of original art, essays, and covers from other collections of the material, house ads, creator bios, and more. Dedicated to Marvel fans, these are the comics that built the Marvel Comics mythology, and represent Marvel's latest step in preserving its treasured history. So this will debut next year, starting with The Amazing Spider-Man Volume Volume 1. And uh, I'll have some other early ones. And, uh, okay, you know, talk about, you know, making people, you know, dip into their pockets to pay for the same thing again, but calling it an extended edition. That's all. I don't know if Radicat has a comment on that. Oh, sorry, I was muted. Yeah. I was like, "Tis, tis what consumerism runs on." Um, the price for that Dreams of Wakanda book is twenty-five bucks. Okay, you can go ahead and pre-order that uh, wherever. All right, but yeah, I don't have any of those masterworks, um, and I've so for this, if I were to get any of these, it would be a, a first-time buy. Right. Uh, but yeah, I can understand for people like yourself and, and other folks who've already kind of dipped in. Right. I mean, that. I've never bought one, to be honest. I was never interested oh. in that. But I know people that are. Right. And of course, I think there are going to be people that missed out the first time around and they'll appreciate being able to get these early, you know, the, these early volumes that have long been out of print. But it's just not something, you know, I'm not a book, I'm a bookshelf person, but not for my comics. I don't know if that will change as my, you know, as I get older. To be honest, because now that my 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 physical pull list has 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 ended for now, I mean at least temporarily, I, I'm wondering what's going to happen to my physical comic book collection and how I'm going to 
what my attitude towards it is going to be now that it's no longer technically growing at the rate that it was you know it'll still grow here and there when i realize that there are gaps in you know gaps that i want to fill still you know like my uncanny x-men run but right. uh, you know we'll see I feel like there's probably an artist edition that'll probably come at some point that you'll be like, you know what? Yes, I do want this. An artist edition of this? Of, of these? Or something. Right. right. I mean, I definitely have like a few select, like, you know, uh, artists that I would want to get, you know, artist editions of. So, I, you know, I understand the point. You know, I've gotten a lot of the, the Jim Lee ones that I want, the Walt Simonson ones that I want. Uh, we'll see if they ever do a Perez one. That's, you know, that's, that's going to be in high demand now that he's passed away. Yeah. Move right along. Star Wars reveals uh, revelations to reveal Galaxy's future. Yep. <clears throat> uh, new announcements from Star Wars and Marvel has re- revealed that Star Wars Revelations, a new one shot that will yep. offer glimpses into the galaxy's future. Uh, while the majority of the Marvel's uh, Star Wars titles currently takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. This new comic will offer a preview of what lies ahead for 2023 and beyond in the galaxy far, far away. Uh, starring Darth Vader and a fateful return to his uh, to his world of Mustafar, the Dark Lord of the Sith will be given key insight from one of the galaxy's most mysterious beings. Dun, dun, dun. By the way, there's a, um, I think, was it Dark Horse? Or, yeah, have some... Um, Star Wars uh, Hyper Stories came out this week, if you're a Star Wars fan, which I suspect if you are, you probably already know about that already. I haven't checked it out yet, but hey, let us know how you feel about it. Next up. Next up, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic protagonist Darth Revan's lightsaber. Lightsaber is getting a gorgeous new model courtesy of Hasbro Star Wars Force FX Elite line of premium lightsabers. Okay... Let's see what the price is on this. Oh, it's $150. Yeah, I'm still looking. Doesn't say in the article. I don't see a number. Most effect savers are a little pricey. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, this is the shifts between the red and purple. That's mm-hmm. one of the key differences. Yeah, which it works for... Um, <laughs> it works for uh, Samuel Jackson, right? So, yeah, Revan is. Uh, oh, is it Revan, not Revon? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Revan. Revan, uh, it is. I will say he's a part of Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic, the video game, uh, which you know the, he hasn't been necessarily canonized. Um, but yeah. And I, I guess it, this this article slightly spoils it because yeah of uh, basically of who Revan actually is uh, in relation to that uh, video game. But nevertheless, this is cool. Um, I don't know if I find the, the the price of this thing, but let's just say it's going to be pricey and move on. Next up, uh, Amy Amy Hick Henning's Marvel game is an ensemble, not focused on a single hero. So. Coming on the heels of a busy... Wait, really? Okay. San Diego Comic-Con, Disney appears to be teeing up some big news for audiences to dig into when D23 kicks off in September, which now that I think about it, yes, that is also around the corner. Yeah. Uh, gamers especially have plenty to look forward to at the event. Uh, that's 
true, but there are some things. Uh, as Disney will host a digital showcase for its slate of upcoming games. Uh, for much of the focus being on several Star Wars and Marvel games currently in development. Uh, one of said Marvel games is known to be from Skydance. Uh, Skydance is Amy Henning. Amy, Amy Henning, excuse me. She, um, one of the uh, key people behind the, um, uh, uh, um, um, Fuck. Um, the Nature <laughs> Drake uh, uh, series um, that they just made a movie out of that now I can... Uh, um, was it Uncharted? Thank you. Uncharted. Yes. She was uh, okay. one of the masterminds behind that. So you know there's going to be at the very least some right. writing back it. Cool. Uh, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken... And it does say I should have just scrolled down because I would have seen this. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. Amy Hedick's uh, Marvel game is one of the two games the industry veteran is heading up as a part of Skydance and the Media. Uh, let's see. It said charter director. Da, 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 da. So what else is in here? Um, she was part of up and announcing they was working on another such game, such as Lucas game set. And so, yeah, she was also supposed to be working on this other uh, Star Wars game that got scrapped, and I think they, that might be being repurposed into something else now. So we'll see what shapes up when the, when the D23 uh, pops up. Next up. Hasbro's Marvel Legends livestream on August 10th had an announcement of a five-pack exclusive Spider-Man-related set that went live on August 16th that's exclusive to Amazon. And in this set, you have Silvermane, Molten Man, Marvel's Human Fly, and Marvel's Razorback. So this is a bunch of villains that are both menacing and bizarre. It's a crazy mix, as well as... um, uh, and it also includes a Spider-Man in a black suit that's a little bit younger looking. You know, it definitely is like a smaller uh, version. Uh, also introduced uh, at this um, at this uh, event. But, you know, obviously I'm not going to go through this because uh, the, the event was back on August 10th. But, uh, you know, it's gone live now. Yeah, yeah. For $127, all of those characters mentioned can be yours. Yeah, the price of Marvel Legends has gone up uh, 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 appreciably, noticeably, to the point where it's like, well, you know what? You know, it's not as fun to just sort of buy them just to have them. You kind of have to think about, you know what? Do I really want this character? That's kind of where I am right now. Right. Because I've got a whole bunch of Marvel Legends, and I'm like, do I really need this particular character? And none of these particular are particularly noteworthy. Right. I mean, it'd be nice to have a silver, like a full-bodied silver mane, and not a, a a head that runs around on a on a little RC car that came with uh, uh, uh what's it call it? Um, oh, who's the? Uh, oh, I forget who that running. You know, it's a it's a villain who runs fast. He's one of the the uh, the the, the uh, what's that? Speed demon. Yeah, speed demon. Thank you. I was about to. say He's one of the. Um, the foes of Spider-Man, the uh, the what you call it, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But anyway, moving on. 
Um, going back to that uh, Darth Ray Revan um, lightsaber, it's two hundred seventy-eight ninety-nine. Wow, it's even more than you thought. Yeah, really. Um, that's. I mean, again, still not surprising, but yeah, that's ridiculous. Probably because of, probably because of the color change thing. Absolutely, yeah. It says advanced LED and sound effects. So yeah, there, yeah. There it is, folks. I kind of want it, but I ain't. That it's not even gonna happen. Uh, Spider-Man 2099's Across the Spider-Verse or Origin sounds remarkably comics accurate. So this is for merchandise, um, apparently, that is giving this away. It says here, uh, an action figure for Spider-Man 2099 was recently spotted by comicbook.com with the following uh, character description written on the box, which I will not go into, but take my word for it in that it sounds like it uh, matches the character's origin story. Uh, from the comics, so we, we know that Oscar Isaac is going to be voicing Spider-Man 29 in uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So this is kind of coming off of that. Uh, next up, so spoilers for Savage Avengers number four. I think this came out last week, and I talked about it. I just didn't talk about this part. Right. So bottom line here is that it's. That uh, the story of Conan the Barbarian in Savage Avengers may be at an end or may not be because there is a tease here. But ultimately, what we do know is that Marvel had no longer has the license for um, for Conan and that Titan Comics has gained the publishing rights to Conan and, uh, and would start and they're, they're going to start publishing a new ongoing series featuring the character in May 2023. So. Uh, Conan's uh, journeys in the Marvel Universe seem to be over for now. That's it. I will say that if this was the way that they were going to do it, it's pretty unceremonious, which I know that's not the end of it, because like, they, 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 that would be real crazy if they just left it the way I, I uh, the way that book ended with that character. Right. My guess is that if this is issue four, they'll probably give him some kind of decent send off by the sixth issue or the fifth issue, depending on, you know, when this first arc ends. I suspect, uh, and actually the, the next, uh, the next article might shed some light on, on that a little bit, but, um, I suspect they're probably going to do something like they did with the last, uh, volume and it's like, well, he's dead, but he's still, there, there's still some things he's doing. So you know, after he's dead. <laughs> so he's still going to be kicking until until that gets dealt with, I guess. Right. So, anyway, next up, though, uh, Marvel recruits Punisher 2099 into Savage Adventures. So, yes, folks. That, I know y'all thinking, ooh, Punisher 2099. We all know him, but you don't. Um, apparently, this is spoilers for, for Savage Adventures number four, but none of this actually happened. Uh, in 22. So, and I guess this article, okay, this article will do update with that. So, Punisher 29 will actually make uh, Savage Avengers debut in issue number six, which is uh, going to be released October 5th. So, let's see. Uh, Marvel Comics has officially announced that of Savage Avengers number seven uh, as a part of the November solicitations. Uh, yada 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 yada. Jake Gallows, uh, Punisher twenty ninety nine is going to join the team. Uh, and apparently, 
There's a futuristic war zone ruled by Ultron that's going to be involved. And okay, sure, because they're still dealing with somebody else uh, at this point. So, hey, we'll see how they get from there to here, from here to there. Next up. America Chavez teams up with Loki in a new Marvel Voices arc. So this is an all-new story in Marvel's Voices Infinity comic on the Marvel Unlimited app. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I won't get into it, but, you know, feel free to peruse the Marvel Unlimited app. This is not, a, a, you know, they are not a sponsor. They are a tool that we use a lot, but this specific story, uh, new story is about using the app, a story that is new to the app. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how to do that because there's, there's like an X-Men run where they go in arcs of, you know, um, with different characters. And this is something similar to that with um, the Young Avengers. Um, so, yeah, may check that out. Anyway, uh, Marvel's next X-Men event is about what happens when Mr. Sinister wins. So... <clears throat> Following last week's teaser, Marvel revealed that the X-Men's next week event will be titled Sins of Sinister. Uh, the storyline will throw the X-Men into a world in which Mr. Sinister has emerged victorious and thrown all of uh, mutant kind of a major loop. Enter now, the Sins of Sinister, the publisher teased. Uh, so, it says here, a new world, a new disaster. Mr. Sinister's plans come to fruition beyond his wildest dreams and his darkest nightmares. Can the X-Men survive the experience? Uh, can anyone uh, discover how twisted mutant kind becomes when Mr. Sinister achieves victory in Sins of Sinister, a new crossover coming to the X-Men? Because we haven't finished the one we're in right now. Um, January 2023rd is the release date, so it is not, for, uh, not that far away. Next up. This December, Universal Powerhouse Monica Rambeau will start in a first-ever solo comic series. A five-issue limited series titled Monica Rambeau Photon will be written by Eve L. Ewing and drawn by new Marvel talent artist Michael Santamaria. The iconic Marvel superhero with four decades' worth of amazing stories. Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. Will at long last headline her own saga? Okay, very cool. Yeah, she's never had a she had a one shot. She and she was well, she came out of the Amazing Spider Man annual. She had a one shot. Right, that one shot is when she had like uh, braids, right? Like on the cover. I think that's right. I think I want to say that's what I'm remembering seeing. That might be right. I can't remember. I, I have read it, but I don't. I don't remember it. All right. Uh, it is kind of curious that it's uh, she's going by, well, I'm assuming, anyway, she's going by Photon here as opposed to Spectrum, which has been what she's going, been going by the last few years. Like, maybe there's a re, or maybe she's not going around, and maybe that's just the name of the book, uh, but... It's interesting, maybe they've decided on Photon to, to, uh, to uh, for corporate synergy with MCU. I I was kind of wondering about that because I, I made a joke on Twitter. It was like, wait, did Spectrum, uh, the, the cable oh, company, maybe. come after them? Maybe. Maybe they don't want that kind of confusion. That's interesting. I didn't even think of that, to be honest. But she's been going by it for years, so I can't imagine that would be the case. But well, maybe again, they'll, they'll come up with a story reason for her to go back to it. 
Because if right. I recall, she went from Photon to Spectrum because Janice Vell, who's now back in the MC in, in the Marvel Comics, took that That's away right. from her also? That's right. So so yeah, we'll listen. We'll find out. Like, this was just something I was just pondering uh, at the time. We don't, you know. I'm looking forward to it, regardless. I find it funny that you immediately mentioned something I should have thought of. Like, oh, maybe they're just afraid of, you know, the the you know of confusing this with the Spectrum uh, cable company. Because I don't want to believe that that something like that would be the case, but I also know that something like that could very well. Be it the makes case. sense. It's plaw. It's much more plausible than anyone thinks. It's a sad state of affairs. That's what it is. <laughs> no, 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 no. But yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Anyway, moving on. Yes, that's you. No, I did photon. You're up next. Oh, uh, oh wait. Did you you said it uh, December? Yeah. Yeah. Eva Ewing, which yeah, we, I like her stuff, so that's cool. Janet Van Dyne. Speaking of Ewings, Janet Van Dyne flies higher than ever, and Al Ewing and Kasia knees. A knee, knees, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but my apologies. Uh, Wasp comic series. So, Al Ewing's doing Ant-Man and the Wasp separately. That's funny. Um, since the dawn of uh, the Marvel superhero age, Dan Van Dyne has enchanted the comic book fans as the founding adventure known as the Wasp. Now, after 60 years of being a superhero and fashion icon, the character will headline a new four-issue limited series. Uh, arriving in January, Wasp will re- be written by superstar Ma- Marvel mastermind Al Ewing and drawn by Kashia Nee. <laughs> nah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. That was. <laughs> you know, you, you give me something like that and I, and I automatically go to Mighty Python. I apologize. Uh, it could be Nia or it could be Nia. I don't, I'm not sure which one, so I apologize either way. Known for her acclaimed work on titles like Mockingbird. Wait, she, she was on that? Okay. And Age of Conan Belit. Uh, like Ewing's hit uh, Ant-Man series, currently on current stands, Wasp will pay tribute to Janet's incredible legacy by shedding new light on her wildest of her age origin, spotlighting her relationship with the protege Nadia Van Dyne, and paving the way for a brighter future. Um, probably won't uh, deal with any of that being slapped by Hank Pym stuff but that's probably for the better. Uh, the saga will also directly lead into another Ewing Pen series launching in the new year. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Looking forward to that. Uh, goes on sale one uh, January 18th. Next up. Boom Studios has announced the artists that will be joining Jason Aaron, colorist Lee Luffridge, and letterer and world design for Once Upon a Time at the End of the World. Uh, which is a title that they recently announced that Jason Aaron has brought to Boom Studios. It's a love story at the end of the world. Uh, Alexandra Tefenki, uh, who we know from The Good Asian, will be the first artist for the first five-issue arc. Um, Layla Del Luca will be the artist for the second five-issue arc. And Nick Dragata will be the artist for the third and final five-issue arc. So it's a total of 15 issues split up into three separate books with different titles. And this is a, a story that's going to spread out over the course of 2023 and into 2024. Pretty cool. Yeah. Last but not least... <clears throat> um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin Collection, becomes New York Times bestseller with first print selling out. 
Um, IDW Publishing has announced that the hardcover collection of said uh, um, the, the Last Ronin has officially landed on the New York Times bestseller list and officially sold out of its initial print run. Excuse me. According to the publisher, the initial printing of uh, 60,000 units hardcover um, sold out within the first six weeks of release. Uh, fans who didn't manage to get a copy, however, will be in luck as an additional 100,000 units have been ordered and will be released in mid-September. Uh, when the series first premiered in October 2022, it would lead to over 840,000 units of the individual comics being sold. So, cool. That's good. That was a good series. So, Absolutely. Um, That's good news. Yeah, definitely. That's probably uh, the you know the, I was about to say that that's probably uh, due to a lot of positive word of mouth because remember they had a pretty tough publishing schedule towards the end of that like where it was supposed to be bi monthly but it took a long time for the last couple of uh, uh, the last couple of issues of that miniseries to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like outside of us, you know, being quite positive about it. I know the the couple other people that I know and I think. Possibly one person gotten gotten to read it, um, responded positively to it. So, right. but, yeah, but I, I, I'd say, safely say recommend it. Uh, it's good, good stuff, especially if you like the turtles. Uh, anyway, folks, that is it for the news. Uh, how about one more ad read? Our last ad read of the night because it's late and we are tired. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends if you want to pay a little bit more for your Marvel Legends. But on Amazon, sometimes you can get good deals. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book com- comic book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through cspn.us. Do it today. All right, folks, that's it for this here uh, podcast. Thank you for being here. If you happen to be lurking, uh, watching the recording, appreciate it. Or if you happen to come by later on during the... Um, through the video or the audio. Who knows? Appreciate it nonetheless. I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicats on Twitter. You can find me at News and News on Twitter. You can find me at CV Caps on Instagram. HDN47, you can find on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt, you can find at PC underscore dirt. You can also find them at um, popculturenetwork.com. Uh, you can also find them at popculturenet on Twitter and all the stuff on the site therein. What the heck is that? What is playing? Sorry, guys. There we go. That was weird. I was just touching my phone. I was like, wait, something started playing. I, I started playing a podcast by accident. There you go. <laughs> um, but PC Nunster Dirt. Uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, the Osiris that is just you can also find him at the D Click Nation on Twitter. You can also find him definitely at um, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, um, Twitter account. You can also find him at comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. You can find us 
on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's ESPN.us. Do it today. If you're, if you're looking for other podcasts to start w- while you're recording another podcast, uh, you can go also go to. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, I got choked up there for a second. <clears throat> This is it. PS, uh, CSPN.us. You can also find this on your podcast for place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us the good five star reviews. You can also find this recording every Thursday night, normally, uh, 9 30 ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of the Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation. Uh, click Nation. Let's get that kind of clear. And the twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit uh, like and subscribe and the notification button. All of that. See you uh, folks next week for another episode of uh, Comic Chronicles. We've got uh, Shield number uh, episode three. Uh, September is happening. Yeah, uh, we're so. going to get more content. You know, we're probably not going to be covering a lot of the, the 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 pop culture content. You know, I don't know if Rodicat's going to be following uh, Ring the Rings of Power. Um, I did watch uh, the first uh, episode of House of the Dragon. It was okay. Nothing to write home about. Um, so, you know, there's going to be more stuff coming out soon. I was going to say Dragon Con and I think uh, Dragon Con, Momocon, and some other cons are definitely coming before D twenty three. But I don't. But that's after next weekend because it's Labor Day weekend. Because Dragon Con usually happens on Labor Day weekend. So the week after that, we'll probably have some more. There might be some more anime stuff to, to talk about. But outside of that, we'll just have the regular stuff we we normally been uh, doing until D twenty three happens. And with that. This has been the Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. I love it when a plan comes together.